Mickey, I never knew there were people so darn heartless. Hi ho, hi ho, it's off to win back their faith we go. Their conscience needs to be set straight and I'll guide them. Oh man, our poor unfortunate souls can't save Prince Ali. We need to be prepared. I don't care what you do, my power is beyond your ken. Prepare to face a wrath greater than anything you can comprehend. Drip, drop, drip, drop, little April shower, beating a tune all over my skull. No, oh, I crash into him with every car I can find, and it doesn't work. Are you a tune too? I wanted to make a man out of you, but I couldn't be part of that world. Too bad. <laughs> I was spawned from the rage of millions. They but they bought all the direct video sequels Disney just had to make, and there will be no forgiveness. Darn it, Pinocchio! We better get out of here. There's no way to win against that. Strap on your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. And here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 66. I'm going to Disneyland! And I'm taking five wonderful people with me tonight. First of all, my friend, my man-at-arms, my left finger, Mr. Mike Minky. Yeah, has any of have any of you ever been mistaken for Elton John or told that you resemble him in any way by someone somewhere? Absolutely not. Uh, I have for Harrison Ford. Long story. I think I might prefer being mistaken for a young Harrison Ford than for a young Elton John, but I don't get that lucky. Hmm. And that second voice you heard is the wonderful, the beautiful Becky Cunning Person. Cunning Man. <laughs> it's the Cunning Man. Oh, I like that. It's the next film coming out. It's the sequel to The Running Man. It's Cunning Man. Well, that would have to be my dad, I guess. <laughs> you don't quite Although sound I, I the part. Huh? I said you don't quite sound the part, but a little voice modulation can take care of that. Hello, I am Becky Cunningham. Yeah, awesome. There Love it. All right. And the man who gets the gold pass, I will not slaughter his name because he helped me out earlier today, Mr. John Yearworth. So yeah, I was actually serious. My first host family that I stayed with while I was in Japan said that I resembled a young Harrison Ford. To this day, like five years later, I've never been able to make sense of that particular comment. And it was said to me in English. It wasn't a mistranslation. And you, this only happened from the host family and no one since you came back and no one before that ever said the same thing? Yeah. 
Well, you know, uh, for the notes for the podcast, John, I'm going to need you to post a picture up so that our yeah. listeners have a point of reference, and maybe oh, they can weigh in on this whole debate. And let's see, the next person on my list is Mr. Who Watches the Watcher Scott. Nope, nope, never. The only famous people I've been mistaken for are Jake Lloyd and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> One of those was intended to be sort of like Jesus. And George Lucas should not have done that. And I just came back from the gym. That's why I'm running around my good friend, Mr. Michael Laps. I, I don't even... I don't know. Where, I, I was expecting an iPhone joke. I had to come back all prepared and you oh, threw me for a loop. I'm running around you tonight. Get it? Laps running... Oh, ooh, the pain. Oh... How that hurts. I think that hurts so bad, our audience needs a moment to recover. And while they do, we're going to play for them some great music from the Kingdom Hearts series. That's what we're talking about tonight. It's a non-stop Kingdom Hearts marathon. We've got seven games to get through, and we've, <laughs> we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little break, and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. This episode brought to you by Pets. So, tonight we're talking about Kingdom Hearts, the series. Wow, we got a lot of games here on the list, so let's just jump right into it. The very first game on our list is Kingdom Hearts, an action RPG developed by Square Enix and Disney Interactive Studios. Uh, This was published by Square Enix and released in North America on September 17th, 2002. This is a single-player, as I mentioned before, action RPG experience for your PlayStation 2, I believe. It doesn't list it on here, but I'm pretty sure that was a PS2 game. Yep. It is. Yay for memories. Also, 2002. Is it really almost 10 years old? Wow. It's due for a backtrack. It is. Kingdom Hearts 1 is now tall enough to ride Splash Mountain. And... (laughs) 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 Not if it was me at the age of 10. Oh, oh, Becky, oh. you still can't ride Splash Mountain. Shut up! <laughs> uh, let's see here. Yeah, November 17, 2002. Yep, just double-check double that there. And this one was rated E for everybody because it's just so darn cute. Um, all right, wow. Hmm. Well, these seven games I've only played two, and one of them happens to be this one, Kingdom Hearts. Had to pop that bad baby in. I... Those of you who may or may not know me too well, I worked at Disney in Orlando for, wow, eight years or so. So uh, I definitely have my share of Disney magic, (laughs) and uh, I definitely do enjoy a number of their movies and characters and the such. Um, So when this game came out, I definitely had to pick that up and grab it. Um, There is a story, and that's how we like to start. We like talking about the plot 
something about heartless or something along those lines. Does anybody want to help me out with that? Because we all know how much I, how good I am about telling the stories from a game that's ten years old. Nobody. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> so. So you're this kid named Sora who has inexplicably Mickey Mouse-like feet. And you grew up on this little island in the middle of nowhere with your friends Riku and Chicky Poo, whose name I do not remember all of a sudden. What's your name? Kyrie. Kyrie, right. And um, crap happens. How, do they, how does he get into Disneyland world, Square Enix world land? The heartless attack their island. Yeah, figured it was something like that. Yes. And then Sora finds himself in the middle of this world, which is bizarrely populated by cutified versions of random Square Enix characters. Final Fantasy. Well, yeah, he finds like, himself in a place called Traverse Town and then is spontaneously beaten up by Squall from Final Fantasy VIII, which ranks pretty high on the, wow, that's humiliating scale. <laughs> did, Squall you know, gr- did Squall bitch about it while he was doing so, or did, was he silent? He, he right. saved his whinging for afterwards. Well, that's kind of the thing. The, the, the squall in Kingdom Hearts is called Leon, has longer hair, and actually seems to have a personality, which I think surprised me and quite a lot Although of Although I think he does still manage to, tr- to, to throw out some dot, dot, dots. Somehow, in a, in a game with mostly voice dialogue. Yeah, how do you voice ellipses? I've always wondered that. <laughs> You've got to stand there with a certain facial expression on your face. Well, um, David Hayter tells me you go, mm. wow. and then say, yeah. Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, respond to anything they, anything someone tells you by rephrasing it as a question. <laughs> so was that voice acting 101? Uh, yes, pretty much. Cool. It looks, sounds like sound career advice if you ask me. Well, David Hayter seems to be doing well for himself. Oh, right. Back to So anyway, <laughs> yeah. so there's these, there's these um, funky uh, little critters called Heartless that are going around stealing the hearts of princesses. And you end up going to various Disney-themed worlds and sort of reliving the stories of the Disney, Disney worlds and at the same time saving, like, finishing the story and also saving the day. And that's the main plot. Now, did did you all find? I mean, <clears throat> did you all find the plots of the individual worlds compelling? Did you find that fun exploring all the different worlds? Uh, well, I think they had an they had a chance to half-assed writing the story for each world, just on the assumption that you'd care because you liked that particular movie so much. Mm-hmm. And sensing a shortcut, uh, obviously being JRPG, JRPG developers, they took it with gusto. So, in the worlds where you actually like the movie, you do it because you like the movie, and then when you get stuck in Little Mermaid Land, you just kind of let uh, it sit for months and all oh, Little Mermaid. Oh, Little Mermaid. Let me tell you something. So, okay, yeah, for the two people on the earth who haven't played any of these games, as as you guys said, you're going through these different worlds, and I mean, you're, if you're doing, um, gosh, I don't remember which worlds were in this game, which ones were. It was Nightmare Before Christmas in this one, I think. Yes, uh, that was yes. one of the better ones in this game. Yeah, you're doing that, that's cool. But then when you're doing Little Mermaid, you are hoping beyond hope that none of your man family members come in or, uh, you know, none of your friends, your drinking buds come over because it's like, 
oh my god, there's no way you can explain this away. There's no way you can explain why you're playing the game starring the Little Mermaid they're, they're, and the singing and everything. No, they're, no they're, it's not even so much the Little Mermaid. It's the fact that you are and playing you, a pre-adolescent, pre-adolescent mermaid, <laughs> mermaid boy. boy. Yeah. There's, there is no explaining this away. They're just, I, 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 you, I tell you what, you either if you see a guy playing this, he's either really comfortable with his manhood or he just threw it out the window, one or the other. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of, um, yeah, I was kind of there where, yeah, a lot of the times I was enjoying it because, yeah, I had enjoyed those parts of the the movie. Um, uh, it wasn't something that I walked away feeling, gosh, those were really satisfactory, you know, plots or anything like that. It was kind of cool. Uh, it felt a little bit long in the tooth, but it was kind of cool uh, playing through uh, some of the highlights from some of the movies in a manner of speaking uh, as you're as you're in those uh, movie themed worlds and the such. And I thought that was, you know, there was definitely a, a payoff uh, for the time that I invested in there. Um, so, so the worlds in Kingdom Hearts one because I looked it up are Destiny Islands and Traverse Town, which were both the sort of um, the OG. original. There he yeah. Is, yeah. Original worlds. Then there was Wonderland from Alice in Wonderland, which I recall being pretty cool. Um, the Coliseum from Hercules. Um, Deep Jungle from um, Tarzan. Uh, Agrabah from uh, whatchamacallit, Aladdin. Aladdin. Monstro the Whale from Pinocchio. And all you did in that part, in that particular Pinocchio one, was play around in Monster of the Whale. Um, the aforementioned dreaded Little Mermaid Town, um, Halloween Town from um, Night Before, Nightmare Before Christmas, Neverland from Peter Pan, um, Hollow Bastion, which if I recall, was, boss area. It was original, but there was also there wasn't there a Beauty and the Beast kind of theme uh, to it, sort of. Beast turns up um, yeah. in Hollow Bastion, but then they get their own world back in the second game. So yeah, all oh, right, it was the second game that had that. Hmm. Yeah. But the Beauty and the Beast were involved. And also there was Mini, Winnie the Pooh Town, which had the mini games in it. Yeah, I tried to spend as little time in Winnie the Pooh Town. Um, <laughs> yeah, hey, I wish... What's your beef with Winnie, Winnie the Pooh? The Pooh Town. <laughs> yeah. The, the, mini ga- the mini games were awful, but it was Winnie the Pooh Town. Uh, <laughs> the mini games were awful, and it was Winnie the Pooh Town. Thank you for, for you know clinching my argument for me. All right, so... <laughs> Um, uh, anywho, the um, uh, so uh, the Disney characters really kind of took center stage. There are this is supposed to be like a merger of Final Fantasy and Square characters, but I was really disappointed with the lack of interaction with the actual Final Fantasy characters. I mean, I remember seeing like I think I saw like uh, Titus and Waka selfie. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing some of those guys. Titus, I think it's Titus Walker and is it Selfie? I think oh no, it's Titus Walker and Riku, or uh, that is the Riku from Ten who appears sort of little chibi versions of themselves on Destiny Islands, and you can play a couple of mini-games with them yeah. at the start. That's about it. They're like cameo appearances, whereas all the Disney characters, you know, during their chapters, they are absolutely center stage. Yeah, and, um, well, and this uh, is... self- Selfie appears as a cameo in the second game. Well, this, this is kind of my big complaint, is that these guys don't totally get what crossover game means, in that nothing ever actually crosses over you just go from one place. Like the the streams do not get crossed. The pools are not polluted, <laughs> with and, the exception uh, with the exception of Beast showing up in the wrong place. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have a place. 
Yeah. And technically, yeah. No, uh, I think that's the reason the Final Fantasy characters are where they are, is because where they came from got... Well, they were all from Hollow Bastion or whatever in this particular but, Yeah, setting. as the series goes on, the Final Fantasy characters become less and less prominent and are replaced with Nomura's various original Kingdom Hearts characters of various confusing lineages. But oh, uh, we don't need to go into that yet, uh, because the first Kingdom Hearts was fairly simple in that, in that way. Um, but I, we didn't mention that throughout... This, this the- represents a point when Tetsuya Nomura hadn't yet taken over all character design, right? I don't know. I, don't I think this was actually his bid for full conquest of the company right here. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, like, he, 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 he picked up the first disc off the press and threw it and was like, Alia Eakta Est. And that was... And then it was, and that was <laughs> oh, boy. All right, moving on. All right. Throughout um, the game, Sora is traveling with Donald and Goofy, yeah. which we, we hadn't mentioned before. So they're like his Disney buddies. Yeah, and they, they kind of participate in battle and kind of hit things and get hit and heal once in a while. when you don't want them. Yeah, goofy. yeah oh, goofy. <laughs> Bad goofy. My potion. Get your own. Um, shoot. And then there was, oh, 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 but, well, we're kind of getting into the, the battle, but let, let's see. Um, was there anything else? Notable about the characters. I mean, really, uh, Sora and, and and Donald and Goofy. They had you know they had some interesting dialogue here and there. But the for me the main the main center of the show is going to different towns and and interacting with uh, the characters from the the various movies and eventually fighting you know a lot of the bosses was was pretty cool. And and you do spend a fair bit of time trying to track down Mickey Mouse, who in the Kingdom Hearts series is a certified badass, which is kind of oh awesome. yeah. 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 Mickey Mouse, Mickey, uh, Kingdom Hearts Mickey Mouse is basically Yoda. Pretty it much. Pretty much. Um, so not a whole lot of in-depth to go into on the characters there, and that's fine, because we can move on to the gameplay. Yeah, uh, we're, we're mostly assuming that you are familiar with the characters of the Disney universe, and if you aren't, we can't really help you. No, there's no help. Yeah, go and watch, yeah, go and watch a few Disney movies. They're really good. <laughs> but they're really expensive. Okay, so... <laughs> Unless you get into the direct-to-DVD sequels, we, we shouldn't go there. Oh. Yeah. Even Kingdom Hearts doesn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of says something, really. <laughs> Uh, so the gameplay is, is is definitely an action RPG from uh, kind of, you know behind the back third person perspective uh, type of thing. You're running around, uh, hitting button, doing. I, I don't even think there were really com- were there combos. I don't remember combos. Well, there's the standard like yeah. three three hit, hit combo, combo yeah. Thing, and that was kind of yeah. This and isn't you had like the funky super moves you could do with your buddies. Yeah, this yeah. isn't God of War, that's for sure. Um, and you could summon real basic. You could summon Bambi. That's another thing that made you look manly. Hold on, guys. I'm going to summon Bambi. Yeah. Final oh, Fantasy, you summon summoned Odin and Ice Gods. Uh, uh, Kingdom yeah. Hearts, Bambi. Bambi and Dumbo. Dumbo, yes. If we're summoning Bambi from the Bambi meets Godzilla cartoon, that would be cool, because it would promptly result in a foot smashing everything. But it's hey, not that difficult. Hey, at least you could summon Simba. As a, as a major fan of The Lion King as a child, that was pretty awesome. Is it adult or kid Simba? Adult. Adult. Okay. He just mauls the heck out of everything. (laughs) Um, So. Lions do that. Okay. So I uh, this and 
there i don't think there's really a whole i mean uh power as far as i think doesn't don't when you bleed up the heart when you're beating most of your enemies are these heartless these little black creatures running around and and there are different types that have different uh weaknesses uh some of them like and guys feel free to correct me if i'm mixing this up with another game or something like that but because it's been 10 years but i believe like some of them were only vulnerable from the back or some of them you had to do specific moves to to really get through right yeah, I, yeah that was that yeah. was something that they expanded on uh, quite a bit when uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 came around. Uh, yeah. And uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 it was mostly XXX XXXX. I'm X-X-X-X. glad you're saying this because I'm going to I'm going to really stick it to you in Kingdom Hearts 2. Um so, <laughs> so I, I now my the thing for me with the with the game uh, with the gameplay was it was pretty much like you guys just described. Uh you do have some spells and stuff here and there, but for the most part attacking seems to get the job done a lot faster. And so I I really felt that the gameplay wasn't nearly deep enough to last the entire 25 hours or so it didn't help the game had first of all the game had like this i remember it had this bloody long introduction that island that you're on what was that island called again destiny Island. oh my gosh you might as well have been called pain in the you know what island because oh. it wouldn't See, it, you, you remind it, me of how long it was but then i think of two and i'm like it wasn't that long oh my gosh uh, it was just uh, it was just, oh my goodness, it was just forever. I just couldn't wait. To, and I remember as soon as I got off of Whatchamacallit Island and I got to Transverse Town, I was like, I am saving it right now. And if I ever decide to replay this game again, it is starting from this save game because I am not doing intro pain in the butt island again. So, but then the, the game, because you do have these different worlds and that kind of keeps things a little interesting, but the gameplay felt kind of shallow to me and that by the end of it, I was really ready for it to be over. Was that, am I the only one there or... Did it feel well, you got bored with having to do a space shooter when traveling between worlds? No, no, we haven't got to Gummy World yet. That's coming up. Don't worry. I'm just talking about the the battle mechanics, which you spend most of the time doing when you're not watching, you know, Ariel sing under the sea. Well, did you yeah, play the game the on game. normal? Did you play the game on normal difficulty or the harder difficulty? I probably I tend to default to normal unless somebody tells me to do otherwise. I would have probably picked normal. Why well, is that's it? the thing is it doesn't let you pick. It it has these weird personality questions at the front and if you oh. can't and if you can't guess their intent behind the questions and answer honestly you may end up with stuck with hard isn't that what tactics ogre does only here you have no idea why yeah hmm. i i totally didn't even know that i think i <laughs> was playing on normal it, as far as i know if it, it was too hard if if it was harder does that make the gameplay any deeper because it just seemed like to me that the spells and the summons they're kind of fun to watch but they don't aside from heal they don't really do anything you're not going to be able to do just as fast with your keyblade yeah it did for me at least yeah use magic a lot more uh that what the heck was that defensive spell shell yeah Ario or something Ario is the, the air wind air wind spell yeah wind damage i think uh she no, shell and uh shell and uh protect uh, are normally your your protection spells, unless yeah, they changed I, in this game. I think familiar uh, from a certain other Square series. Yeah, well, the spells are yeah. just lifted right out of the Final Fantasy. So I mean, you'll you'll see the spell names and you'll know exactly what they are. It's when you get to the summons, and you're like, Bambi, what the hell does Bambi do? Oh, Bambi starts running around and pooping out health balls all over the place. Ah, <laughs> that's what he does. He craps health see, balls. The funny, funny thing, the funny thing about the summons is, is I think um, uh, the, the development. I remember reading that the development team were actually planning on putting in a, uh, a Bahamut summon, but it was removed. Mm-hmm. Aww. 
Mm. <laughs> Bambi, Dumbo, Peter Pan, and Bahamut. <laughs> Bahamut. <laughs> Which one of these don't belong, boys and girls? <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, well. Um, uh, let's see here. So, yeah, then we get to the interaction part. Um, there is a there is a, a, a little bit of exploring because every world kind of – you're running around looking for things, right? Don't you find any secrets or something along those lines? Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's platforming and stuff. Yeah, there's some platforming yeah, there's in there. Minor platforming, item gathering. Cause I'm pretty. Uh, the the first game had a crafting system. It's been a long time since I've played it, but it did, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It was uh, more, more, more parts for your thing. Hmm. For the gummy ship. Oh, then the gummy ship. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, I guess we have to go here sooner or later. So I remember reading the EGM review of the game, and it was mostly positive, but the gummy ship was singled out as a terrible idea. By EGM. It was pretty bad. I mean, I remember... <laughs> I remember I had already bought the game. I was starting to get into it, but I hadn't got to a gummy ship part yet. But I had already, you know, was reading some of the early reviews. And I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. Holy crap, what is this? <laughs> oh, yeah, it can be. Yeah. But you get through it. But, yeah, it's almost like they want you to spend extra time on it because you can upgrade the ship and stuff. You're not going to want to spend any extra time on it. You're going to do whatever you can do to get through that piece of crap as quickly as possible and get back to the real game. It's one of the things I would. It's one of the things I would list as definitely improved in the sequel. So absolutely. So um, uh, you know, overall the game got really good reviews, getting an average of like ninety-two, ninety-three-ish. Uh, for the most part, I mean, just looking at the reviews here, I don't have the meta in front. Oh no, meta says it's eighty-five, eighty-six. Okay, well that's still pretty good. Um. Uh, it was – I mean it, I thought it was a pretty fun game. It had some weaknesses, but I think what really made it jump out at the time was you just – gosh, it had Disney characters, I guess. <laughs> it had Disney World and I you – know, and that brought a lot of imagination. I mean when you play a lot of RPGs, it, it's not unusual for them to be all in one setting or at, at the very most you can hope for is one world that has some different areas for you to explore. But it's still all one world with one culture and one, you know, and kind of feels very coherent. This one, it's coherent in a way that it's all Disney and it's all Disney characters, but every world was definitely different and yep. gave you slightly different gameplay experiences, such as the uh, before mentioned uh, Little Mermaid section where you are swimming around. As terrible as that was, it was different and it broke up the monotony, uh, any some of the monotony of the uh, the action itself. Um, yeah, and the, the enemies, I loved fighting, like Ursula and stuff. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, the boss fights were actually not too bad. Those actually required a little yeah. bit more than just attacking. I remember was, yeah, one, you had to jump on it and stuff. Yeah, there was an element of thinking, and a lot of them were also, at least uh, the ones that did um, like come directly from the, the films that the, the worlds were based on, were usually pretty faithful to their kind of film counterparts. In fact... I think it was, yeah, the original actually even has a fight against the Chernobog from Fantasia. Mm. Um, and I think most kids who might have played it in 2002 might not even get that. Probably not. In fact, I think they, I think they, okay. even, play, I think they even play Night on Bald Mountain over that particular scene. Well, we kind of have to. You're right. Yeah, it's just, Fantasia came out in what? 1940. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many people have seen it? I have, but that's I've mostly because it. I have a lot of musicians in my family, and they love it. I mm. saw it when they re-released it in the nineties. I have a copy of the I have a copy of the soundtrack, Pride and Place, on my shelf. But... 
Yeah. Okay. And, and, the hundred acre wood is an area, right? Yes. Yes. What is the boss of the hundred acre wood? There isn't one. That's the Winnie the Pooh, funky, gamey area. Yeah. Although, yeah. if it had gone the way Penny Arcade had, had proposed it, I would have loved it a lot more. Uh, isn't that where they cut open uh, Winnie the Pooh for science? No, no, the one where they go for Winnie the Pooh is where uh, his, he, he merges with Genova's head and goes all one way and angel. But <laughs> oh that's country. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So, I, I'm pretty sure that Disney would have not okayed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like uh, talking about some of the, the physical assets of the game. I really like the uh, the graphics. I felt were were pretty well done. Really did a decent job of maintaining the cart uh, the feel of the cartoons. Each area looked distinctly like it was lifted from the cartoon. Um, and uh, maybe the sequel did it better, but because uh, I didn't get much time into the sequel, but I really did. You know, I especially like like the the, the night before Christmas uh, land and such. Um, the musical, the music was pretty. I don't. Rem- I'm not remember much on music, but I I think it was pretty good. Was it pretty good? Kingdom uh, Hearts music's done by um, Yoko Shimomura, and it's probably some of her best work. And and well, I have yet to hear bad Yoko Shimomura music, so I'll I'll easily accept that. <laughs> And uh, the voice, uh, the voice acting was just really, really good. Uh, when it was the, well, they char- got some pretty big. They got some pretty big name actors in. Yeah. For, I mean, Sora. Doesn't Haley Joel Osment voice somebody? Yeah. 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 Haley voices Sora. Sora, the main character. Yeah. They get, and he has so not reprised that role, has he? Back to reprise. Yeah. He has. Oh, he has. Yeah. Wow. They, they found him on the streets wherever he went. <laughs> and when basically they did their best to get the actors from the movies, and when those weren't available or when they weren't in the budget, um, they grabbed a yeah, lot of the get, voice actors from get, the direct to, to DVD sequels. Yeah, they had to get um, <laughs> Dan Castanella for Genie, for example. Yeah, yeah, no and Robin Jen Williams. Hale played Cinderella, yeah, which is just wrong. <laughs> Commander Shepard would not put up with any of this shit. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> um, hey, they got Christopher Lee in the sequel. Uh, all right, so uh, really fast, guys, because we got other games to go on to. Really, always makes anything at least a touch better. Would you suggest this game to your friends and to retro gamers out there? Should they go back and play this if, for some odd reason, they haven't played it before? Becky. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, who else? <laughs> that was real short. Who else? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's one of the better, you know little action games on the PS2, and it's a good game. All right. Anybody else want to get in their two cents? Uh, sure. I think, I think all of my friends have already played it. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> John? Well, I say I, all of my friends, I think, have played it, and um, I do actually know a very, very big Kingdom Hearts fanboy that lives around the corner from me. And, yeah, he, he loves the game more than I do. <laughs> It kind of rubs off on me occasionally. Mr. Uh, Watcher? Um, you know what? It's light, inoffensive fun. I'd say go for it. Although I did just find out, I, I, I think I need to find the Japanese version of this game because Koichi Yamadera voices Goofy. And that's oh. just cool. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Hey. Koichi Yamadera is a boss. Uh, I think, uh, I don't think, is Mr. Apps been talking? You there, Mr. Apps? Yeah, I'm here. You have any thoughts? Yeah, I'd say this, uh, this is absolutely one of the finer action RPGs on the PS2, and it's certainly worth playing. Um, 
because this is before this story gets incredibly convoluted and weird. So, yeah, definitely worth playing. Um, I would just recommend playing it on hard because I didn't really enjoy it as much playing it on normal. Hmm. All righty. I think that's everybody. Yep, all right. We're going to take a teeny tiny break. We'll be right back and jump into Chain of Memories. to have a little chit-chat about Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, and by extension, I suppose we could talk about Re-Chain of Memories, because they're pretty... The, the PS2 is really just a a really good... Re- or I don't want to say a really good remake, but a, a pretty direct remake, right? I'd say it's a bad remake. But, but I mean, we'll it, looks, it looks a lot better. Let, let's be clear here, Mr. Apps. Are you saying that it, yes. it is still... that it is a bad game in and of itself, or that it is simply a bad remake? Remake, of yeah. That, could have been uh, we'll we'll get into the minutia. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Anyways, uh, the Kingdom Hearts uh, Chain of Memories was developed by Square Enix Product Development Division One Jupiter. Wow, that's a long thing. Anyways, published <laughs> by Square Enix. Uh, this was directed by Tetsuya Nomura. Produced by Sinji... I'm not going to read all those. Forget it. I'm just going to slaughter their names. Uh, (laughs) This was released on the Game Boy Advance in North America December 7, 2004. And later on, the remake, rehash, report, or whatever on the PlayStation 2 December 2nd, 2008. This is a single and multiplayer action RPG experience rated E for everyone on the Game Boy and E10 on the PS2. Because you got to be older to be able to play it on the PS2. Go figure that one out. No, it's because they invented E10 in the intervening years. You know, this can't be... This can't I blame I blame Loxene, personally, but... Th- this yeah. can't be a bad game. This is on a 256 megabit cartridge. Now, we talked about in previous backtracks, when something's got that many megabits... I mean, not just bits, megabits. It's got to be good. Hey, Mr. Oh. Apps. You, yes. you just played X3, X2 recently, didn't you? Or was it X3, where Bit and Byte are villains? Oh, God, yes. And Bit's the little one, and Byte's the big one. Yeah. Oh, See, those are some next. great boss names from Capcom, aren't they? Um, no, 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 no. You know, I'm partial to, what was it, Whale McDuffin? <laughs> no, Duff, Duff McWhalen. McWhalen. Excuse, excuse me, Duff McWhalen. Oh boy! Anyways, focusing but, back <laughs> on the game, uh, you don't want to hear about the no, X5 game where all the no. bosses are named for Guns and Roses members. No, Mr. Minky, we must move on. Uh, so, 
would anybody it's just that I, like to go into detail on the very deep plot to sure. Chain of Memories? All right, go for it. So this basically takes place immediately after the end of the original Kingdom's Heart, Kingdom Hearts, where Sora and Goofy and Donald come across a tower in which they begin to go up and revisit all the areas from the first game and lose all their memories for extremely convoluted and poorly explained reasons. And that's about it. Sounds like an excellent start, but there must be more <laughs> to it, Mr. Apps. Uh, not really. Aww. Well, the uh, training Some weird organization, 13 group. I don't know. But but aren't they important to the uh, series as a whole, this 13 group? I hear so much about them. They become a lot more relevant in Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, this is another one of the games uh, that I played all the way through, and I actually didn't play too, too long ago. Um, I must have been about four years or so. And, um, yeah, I don't remember anything about the story because I really didn't care. Um, <laughs> it, it, well, I think... I think the problem was they spent too much time rehashing the stories you already saw in the first game instead of spending the time on the actual new plot. Hmm. Well, I, I could see that. Because um, uh, I would say the new plot is definitely there. It's just uh, it's it's like not enough attention is paid to it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so the main thing that you notice when you jump into this game almost immediately is the the I mean the characters are saying you got Sora, Donald and Goofy I still think are running or at least running around with you. Um but it's when you get into fighting and battling that you realize this <laughs> this isn't your father's uh, Kingdom Hearts anymore. Uh it's kind of a combination of a card collecting game and an action RPG if that makes any sense in the world. <laughs> uh so you're going around you're collecting these cards they have various values on them uh and there's special cards that do special things as well if if I remember correctly but um for the most part most of my cards had numbers on them and when I would go to attack whichever card was at the top that's basically the value I'm attacking with. And at the same time, the enemy is usually trying to attack me with his own card with its own value, and whoever's got the highest usually wins. And you'll usually see my, you know, at the bottom as I'm attacking, I'll see my card like kick his card's butt or something along those lines. His card goes flying off, uh, and whatnot. Do you can combine? Uh, you can you. There's a little strategy to this because uh, if you're in a tough spot, you're going against something really tough, or you want to make sure that hit counts. If I remember correctly, you could combine three cards to one value uh, into one value, which gives you a really high number. But the, the the flip side of that is those cards are temporarily discarded from your deck for the rest of the battle. Yeah, well, it's not just that. Those you can also combine them to use special abilities. Yeah, and special like there's cert certain combos, of numbers or types of cards or something that would produce different special abilities. Hmm. Something like that. Yeah. And I think you. I think you can like combine like two magic cards to produce the stronger spell or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Yeah, and then there's something with summons too, right? It was like. Summoning cards, I think. Yes. <sighs> yeah. So, um, uh, and you get special enemy cards by uh, by defeating certain enemies and bosses. 
they can be used to give you temporarily temporary abilities like better offense, defense capabilities, etc., etc., uh, to modifying the attributes of certain cards. But um, it, it 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 was kind of the the premise of it seemed kind of cool. I mean, I actually got into the system a lot. I love card collecting games. I mean, if you look at my collection, anytime I see like Coldcept is a, is a, is one on the PlayStation Two. Um, anything I can, any way I can get my hands on, I play Magic the Gathering twenty twelve on my computer all the time. I love collectible card games and as such. Uh, and the idea at first seems really wonky, and it's kind of hard to explain when you start playing it and you starts kind of coming together for you. It seems a little cool. Um, I, for the most part, I enjoyed it, but some of the boss battles or some of the oh. were just absolutely ruthless and felt unbalanced. Oh my god. Some of the, some of the, the later boss battles were just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it, and I think that's, uh, you know, part, uh, part of the problem, and I don't know if that's really a problem with the card system as much as maybe they just need to balance things a little bit more and make the difficulty curve not spike on the bosses. But yeah, towards the end, I, re- I don't remember which enemies they were off the top of my head, but I just remember I almost quit the game. I was getting so cranky at it, and it was ticking me off yeah. because I really had no problems with the battles before. Yeah, there's a boss battle against Riku towards the end of the game that is... Oh, just... he's murderous. Oh, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, Riku. Yeah. Oh, he's wrong. Uh, that battle will just punish you if you haven't really figured out the uh, b- how to build a deck. Oh, yeah. He'll spank you. Yes, and the importance of using, was it, the the zero level cards because if you if you put those out while somebody's in the middle of an attack it'll cancel their attack yeah zero cards can basically kill off any other card even if even if uh, Riku has combined three cards to come up with a total of 28 and a half. Uh, a zero <laughs> card will beat it as long as you play the zero card after he begins his attack. Uh, yeah. If you do the zero before and he doesn't attack with any number, anything will beat zero. But uh, if if they launch it after you've played the card and you've begun your attack animation. So timing uh, is, a, is a consideration when you're using that zero card. Otherwise, it's usually the best card wins. Um, so there was some strategy. I think there was some promise of the battle system, but I think it was held back by the difficulty level kind of being messed up, uh, a little bit too easy for the most part. And then you get to somebody like Riku and it's way too hard and they could have probably smoothed that a little bit better to kind of encourage you to really prune your deck and, and and I think that that probably lends itself to the other problem with collectible card games is that if you don't get some because a lot of these drops were kind of random on some of these cards, yeah. and if you didn't get some good cards just because you were having a bad run through of the game, I could see that really holding somebody back, or at least my oh, yeah. I think I think some of the criticisms against the the uh, the, the card collecting stuff and possibly the difficulty level were uh, addre- at least partially addressed in the PS3, uh, sorry, PS2 version. Mm. Now, uh, I haven't actually got that far in it. I probably haven't got far enough to really... Um, I've been meaning to try the PS, and I have it on the disc, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I've been meaning to try it to see, you know, and that would be one of the reasons to try it for myself, is to see if they had addressed that. Did did uh, did you, did any of you play the, the PS2 version of that far uh, in? I have it, I have it. And I started it, but I didn't get particularly far with it. I played it enough to know that I hated that version and had to get rid of it. <laughs> you did that? Like you, you hated it like you loved the Game Boy Advance version or in contrast uh, to, or you hated both of them? No, I mean, I really liked that battle system despite the difficulty imbalances. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. Uh-huh. 
But moving to the PS2, uh, they added voice acting, and obviously there were loading times, and I think it just kind of served to exasperate the issues with the story, and it just made the whole thing feel way too slow to me. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, how far did you get in the PS2 version? Only a few hours in. Okay. That's all I could take. That's all you could take. So you didn't make it to the. I know that you definitely didn't make it to the infamous Riku battles. So I oh no, definitely not. See if they toned them down a little bit here. Now, if you got through the game once, I remember you. Could, I could play through again as Riku or something along those lines. But yeah. by that point, I was pretty much done with the game, and I didn't really feel compelled <laughs> to try it again as Riku. Did any of you play his story? Because I've heard that that's actually a fairly different experience. I played it a little bit. Um, you, it kind of gets rid of the whole deck building aspect. I think there's a few preset decks you can use or something like that. Uh-huh. So it, it makes it a bit more of a streamlined experience. You're, you know, kind of just going through the story, taking part in combat, and not you don't really have to deal with, uh, you know, customizing your decks, adding in new cards, things like that. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's also a lot shorter. Although I didn't beat it, but it, it was it's it's definitely a kind worth of, a kind of short-lived streamlined challenge mode or something. Yeah, yeah with a bit a of story added to it. Exactly. Yeah, and he he mostly had uh, from my notes here. He mostly had physical attacks, enemy cards, and the ally, the Mickey Mouse ally cards. Which forgot to mention that you also had cards that you would use to summon Donald and Goofy. Temporarily, like, kind of like summons. <laughs> they would come in, yeah. he'd jump in, he would hear Sora go, he'd yell out, you know, Goofy! And Goofy would come out with his shield and bash somebody or something and jump back away. Such a coward. Stay and fight <laughs> with me, bloodsucker. Leave me all alone with these heartless. <sighs> any rate, um, so definitely the, the battle system was, was definitely uh, 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 <laughs> something different. And I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely. I mean, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough that even when I got hit with the difficulty spike or whatnot, um, and I really did want to throw it away because, I mean, it took a lot. I mean, I went through that guy like nine times. Oh, my God. I mean, I was like pulling out my hair in frustration, but I, I just wanted to get through it, and I had enjoyed it so far, so I didn't want to stop just, just for that that one issue, and I actually broke down, looked up some FAQs or something along those lines, and yeah, I think I did as well. Yeah, Riku. Let me tell you about boys and girls. <laughs> only, only nine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> only <bro>. nine. <laughs> it's probably more than that. Wait until we talk about Scar in Kingdom Hearts two. Oh, oh, we're geez. getting there. We're getting there. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, the the worlds. Uh, so you're talking Game Boy on the Game Boy Advance, anyways. The 2D graphics and stuff. The different worlds obviously don't hold nearly as much magic <laughs> as far as the uh, looks no. in the PlayStation 2. Because it's an isometric. There's some isometric platforming involved. It's really feels everyone's favorite. Everyone loves isometric jumping. <laughs> hey, it worked uh, in Ultimate Eight. Did it? Did it really? <laughs> that was- that was sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something I could do without all the isometric jumping and the such. But um, and the, the the rehashing of the stories from the first game was just I don't know. It, 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 it was just pointless. 
Felt like a cash in to me. No, I'm <laughs> Oh, it, it kind of was, really. I mean, it, it, the result was a somewhat interesting game regardless, but it, it just feels like they didn't particularly want to put too much work into the Game Boy game. Now, they did have they did have a jungle rule based on Tarzan. Come on now. Give them some credit. That just changed the whole game for you. Just admit it. Okay, no. maybe not. No, no, not really. <laughs> I think the general problem there is is basically they had some important original story establishing stuff for Kingdom Hearts 2, but, and then just be- unfortunately buried it in Kingdom Hearts 1 rehashing. Exactly. Because you know, King, uh, Chain of Memories does contain some like important plot set up that won't make the opening of Kingdom Hearts 2 look like a complete mind screw. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, let's see. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about the you know, graphics, Game Boy Advance. They were okay, I suppose. The bat- the boss battles, uh, at least I remember one or two of them was kind the, of cool. uh, The PS2, as a side note, did kind of improve on that front. Oh, like, yeah. That's what I wanted to ask. I mean, yeah. <laughs> did that did, – did, so, did those did – the, in, the, in the, the PS2 remake – do they hold up uh, decently compared to the first game? Yes. I, uh, well, from my limited memories of it, yes. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that really jumped out at me. I mean, really, for me, the the gameplay was kind of... The whole card collecting thing and the gameplay was center stage. I can see it being something that people uh, either love or hate... I can see that being kind of divisive because um, it, it it kind of feels like it should be a tactical a tactical. I mean, it, you know, it is an action RPG, and in many ways, it plays like an action RPG. But you're kind of being constrained in a way by the card. Some people are going to see it as as feeling constrained. They just want to go there and slash things with their keyblade like they did in the first game. Whereas other people, such as myself, and I think Mr. Ups from what he's saying, you know, we see it as a layer of strategy that the game needed because <laughs> the first one was really kind of easy. And this may feel like an unnecessary layer of, of complication, but I mean, for me, it was, I love card collecting. I like putting together, you know, cool decks. It does randomize the cards. <laughs> There's some strategy you're doing on the fly when you want to try to combine some cards together and you're, you're going to, temporarily lose those cards and when your deck starts running out in battle let me tell you what <laughs> you really start kind of sweating when you kind of gone overboard with those combo attacks um so i mean i i i was enjoying it uh, i was enjoying it aside from the battle with riku <laughs> i was enjoying it for yeah. the most part they, they could have taken riku out <laughs> i mean the, despite enjoying the battle system and whatnot i think this was kind of a missed opportunity i mean I was just thinking about different ways they could have done this. You know, they could have had it be like a, you know, as they're going up and losing their memories, instead of rehashing the old Disney worlds, they could have, you know, gone to a bunch of different ones and slowly realized that they had never actually visited any of those worlds or something like that. There, there's just. I mean, how hard would it have been? They were 2D isometric graphics. I know. It wasn't like they, they had to dig big deep into the, you know, our, our, the art resources here. <laughs> It's yeah. It's not like they were reusing the environments from the PS2 game or something. So uh, I I I didn't really get the the rehashing. I there, I think there were just so many. You know, it's Disney. How many different movies and different properties do they have? There's so many interesting things they could have done, and they kind of just phoned it in. Oh, we forgot to mention the room synthesis dealy. Yeah. 
So basically, you had certain cards that you didn't actually use to fight. And again, I'm going off of memory here. You didn't use to fight with, but you would in certain rooms in order to open up. Like you would see a certain color door. In order to open it up, you would use one of these key cards you had. And the number on the key card or something along those lines would mean something in how the room is set up. Like how many monsters it had or if it had a treasure or or, or you know what kind of room it basically was. In a way, you were making your own random dungeon. Uh, in a manner of speaking. So that was Pretty kind much. of an interesting twist. I mean, it probably could have done that. It's some good ideas. They probably just could have brought that, made that a little bit more memorable somehow. Yeah. Uh, but it was the Game Boy Advance. So, you know, I mean, they did a lot for what fit on, you know, a little, little card back in the day, 256 megabits, which is like, uh, let's see, divide that by eight. So you're talking about, what, 64 Something along those lines, megabytes. <laughs> I I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, so for the you know, I mean, for the most part, it was pretty cool. It was different, and I will definitely give the PlayStation Two uh, version a try just to see if they balance things out a little bit better. Though, yeah, as you were indicating, Mister Apps, if it's going to sit there and load every single battle and and the such, and it, it may be something that turns me off too, because I'm not a big fan of of laborious labor times yeah, loading times it, it, <laughs> it might be the better version if you've never played either but I, I i can't speak to that i mean with the game boy it was pretty fast you're shifting you know you run to a heartless and i think there was some action platform involved where if you hit the heartless with the key first you know as you saw them on the the, the map board you would get like your first attack you know, kind of like yeah. Chrono Trigger or something like that. No, Chrono Trigger didn't do that. Did it? No, it didn't. Uh, but, but, anyways, um, uh, but it would go right to battle, and you do get into a lot of battles. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these rooms, you don't have the big expor the the exploration um, angle that you have with the first game. You're just going into rooms, fighting the heartlesses in there, opening up any treasure chest, and you know, taking the keys that you get and opening up new rooms. Rinse and repeat, repeat and rinse. It just it's it's definitely uh, something that if there was loading between every single battle and that loading is significant, I could see that getting on people's nerves real fast. Yeah, and plus being in you know the combat being in 3D itself felt a little slower. The, Since you're not you know cramming all the enemies on a little screen, they're a little more spread out. It's just a different experience. And it seemed like um, that for the most part, they the game did pretty decent in reviews. Uh, let's see, I got 77 on game rankings of Metacritic. Um, the re-chain of memories only got a 71%. <laughs> so a full <laughs> six points uh, lower. Uh, yeah, that could have been um, some some issues there. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, any last thoughts on that, Mr. Apps, before we go? Would you recommend other people to play that? Uh, I'd say give it a try, as long as you, you don't spend too much money on it. And, you know, obviously, since a lot of the stories are rehashed, I'd say just be prepared to skip through some of that dialogue, because it's likely to be quite boring. And you can get uh, pretty much most of these games that we're talking about today. You can get them really, you know, cheap on Half dot com or the such. I mean, anywhere from ten to twenty five bucks. Uh, but most of them are in the ten to to twenty range, ten fifteen range. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, these games were really popular, so there's a ton of copies out there. So there's 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 no way they should be expensive. All right, well, we're gonna take a a little teeny Bill, tiny. Bill, I, I I actually did play this. I didn't say anything. Oh, I barely right. remember anything <laughs> of it. But I bought it in December of '04, and then sat on it for a while until I finally started playing in August of '05. August of 05 is also, incidentally, when I went to six different cities in Europe, which meant that I spent a lot of time in airports, and maybe it was just because I was really sleep-deprived at the time, you know, walking around Paris and Berlin and Venice and uh, several other places. I wasn't sleeping a whole lot, but this game most assuredly did not keep me awake in the airports, (laughs) and... I remember whacking a lot of things in fights, spinning cards around, things exploding out of the things that I hit in fights, and eventually getting bored when I hit around the five-hour mark, setting it down, and never picking it up again. And that's all I remember. That's why I didn't say anything earlier. What a great memory was that. Ouch. Uh, well, I think um, I think all of our audience are is, is better off for that listening to that experience. Again, if you maybe it's a high standard of mine that a game keep me awake in the airport as I'm trying to get back from Venice or Munich, but this game didn't do it. Can't imagine why not. And the Venice airport wasn't exactly sparkling and commodious, so I have no idea what was keeping me from staying awake in there. Maybe you're reading too much of the story. That might have been it. It just might have. Well, uh, let's see here. Uh, really fast. Courtney Stone, an official staff reviewer at the time, gave it a 4 out of 5. But Nick Ferris, really? another staff member, gave it 2 out of 5. <laughs> and Rachel Steiner, another staff reviewer at the time, gave it a 3 out of 5. So Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, if nothing else, is a very, like I mentioned before, I can see this being a very dividing game. It just depends on whether you like a little extra. I remember Ethan liking re-Chain of Memories, but I can't remember why. Hmm. Disclaimer, the current RP Gamer staff takes no responsibility for the editorial opinions of previous staff members who many of us do not even know. Well, uh, you know, for the PS2 version, uh, Alex Reimer and Ethan Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer? Oh, Piper, yes, yes. both gave it a 3.5, and the ever-so-famous Otterling gave it a 3 out of 5. Yes, truly, his views are those we must champion. <laughs> so, no I, just, comment. I just, I had to throw that in there for, um, for Mike. Are we going to list his views on the other Kingdom Hearts games? No, we're we're moving on, and we're listening to some classic Kingdom Hearts music while we take a short recess and get ready for Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I believe 2 is next, so we'll be right back.
so we're gonna talk about and hope that I edit this um, Kingdom Hearts 2 this was developed by Square Enix Publish by Square Enix and Buena Vista Games uh, this was released here in North America on March 28 2006 an action RPG for your PlayStation 2 home console system and this was rated E10 Wow, another ten-year-old game, and um, this uh, this isn't a single-player game. And it comes on one gorgeous, beautiful, spinning DVD-ROM. Yay! So, wow. All right, let's talk about the story. Is it any deeper than the last two games? Um, <clears throat> this the story is most definitely more confusing. But you know what? I have a confession to make. Hmm. I oh, like no. Kingdom Hearts 2. And well, I like you know what? Story. For that, you can say three Hail Marys and meditate on what really is wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> I like Kingdom Hearts 2. Oh, jeez. More than the first one. Okay, well, so I'm going to be alone in claiming that this is the point where the series stuck its head up its own butt. Chumped shark? Oh, no, I won't deny that. All right, well, let's let's focus for the moment. Uh, Hold on, let me corral you guys in here. We'll have plenty of time to go off on tangents after we talk about the story. So, is can anybody tell me the story, the plot? (laughs) Well, basically, uh, after the end of the first game, everything is still screwed. TM. Basically, but I saved everybody, and I got to King Mickey and stuff in the first game. How can it all still be screwed up? Because it just is. Dang it! And if, you don't, and if you don't know why, you weren't paying attention during Chain of Memories. No, I really was anyone. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, there is darkness in the hearts of men. Shit will go wrong. And Christopher Lee will be awesome. That just I goes without saying. Lee doesn't think of voice acting as real work, and will say yes to pretty much anything. He yeah, narrates metal albums. He's about several films as well. It doesn't make him any less awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher Lee phoning it in still does a better job than half the actors I can think of off the top of my head. Exactly. Anyway, so you start out Kingdom Hearts 2 in this completely inexplicable, really boring town and you're not Sora you're some other dude named Roxas and he's got other friends that you don't know and you don't care about and and Vivi from Final Fantasy shows up but he's for a million hours but he's not awesome like Vivi's supposed to be and And Setsuru shows up and he's not awesome either which really annoyed me wait Setsuru is there what what for is he gonna gamble Uh, no I I don't remember (laughs) <laughs> he, w- he was stupid, and it really made me angry. And there's lots of really awful mini games. Although apparently you don't have to play them, but you think you do. I don't know. I but eventually, at least half of them. Eventually, you get on the dope ass Disney train and you go to town. So okay, I, I remember there's a Tron world in this. Is that any good? Yes. By, yes. Well, it's Tron by no. definition. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's got Tron. It it it's awesome. Sucks. <laughs> shut up! Shut up about Tron. I don't like Tron. Tron is all. Awesome. You don't like reboot either. I didn't really like Tron Legacy, but that's a different story entirely. 
But really, I didn't care so much. It's not so much that I don't like Tron. It was that I really hated the light cycle game in, in Kingdom Hearts 2. Which is a shame because there's like a million good light cycle games. You could just so, be that that hard the, to make one. Come on, the one maybe in Kingdom they, Hearts two was not so good. They probably could have just taken the one from the arcade machine and been all right. Uh, from nineteen eighty two. Um. Anyway, so all right. So just just re- making sure we're wrapping up these things in order. So plot, no one really cares. Or I, mean, I actually quite, I actually quite enjoy the plot, but that's me. All right, we'll talk a little bit more. Finish. Let's make sure everybody's spoilerific on this. So, what happens? Okay. Well, generally, the the people responsible are thirteen people in black cloaks, except several of them are dead, as per the events of the previous game. Uh huh. Got up. it memorized. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I must admit, I actually did not get the fuel, the full beauty of that line because. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 was one of the first import PS2 games I bought, actually. I bought it on Christmas Day in 2005 on the streets of Akihabara. Um, And I almost finished it about two weeks later. Um, So yeah, I actually missed the the Got It Memorized line. um, Because it was was delivered (laughs) better by Axel's Japanese voice actor. It was a personal (laughs) line. Um... Was there any new characters introduced? Oh, the thirteen my. guys, among other things, <laughs> and various pirates. Uh, oh, hey, we got Disney's Pete. That's true. He yeah. was an added Does Mickey fight him? So, uh, sort of. Because <laughs> they had they had this because uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts two was the one that put the Steamboat Willie world in. Yes. Yes, and that was the best world. Yeah, it really was. So, yes, yeah, so, so the, the worlds in the worlds in Kingdom Hearts two are a little bit more um, diverse than the ones in the first one. For instance, you go into um, creepy, uncanny valley um, pirates of the Caribbean world, where <laughs> oh, they attempt where they attempt Ugh. to digitize Kira Knightley and Johnny Depp <laughs> on the PS two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's Tron World, which is a little different. Didn't but Johnny Depp best... not appear so that uh, Stand-In had to voice him? Yeah, but they oh, pulled the know. same Stand-In from a bunch of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean games. Ah. And the same with, actually, the rest of the cast. So Crispin Freeman voiced Will Turner, which was so, kind of think... cool. We're um, replacing they... Lando Bloom's voice. That's fine. I think in uh, I think in the original Japanese version, the actors who dubbed over uh, like dubbed over the characters in Pirates of the Caribbean when it was released in Japan were successfully brought back in. So you do have the person who dubbed Johnny Depp. <laughs> Which is probably, probably easier and less expensive than actual Johnny Depp. Because <laughs> Johnny Depp was referencing Keith Richards, and Keith Richards, last I checked, is more known for his music than his acting in Japan, but whatever. (laughs) But yeah, the best usage of this sort of more diverse thing was the black and white Steamboat Willie world, which was awesome. Is there a Mulan world? Yeah. Yeah, Mulan was in here. Which did get everyone from the movie back. Oh, nice. I'm a big fan of that movie. So, uh, little little Disney trivia here that is actually more Phil trivia than Disney trivia, but it works. Um... My wife is Chinese, right? 
and we got married in 1998, the same year Mulan came out. Ha ha! <laughs> Um, cool. and, and I make fun of her every once in a while. I call her Mulan, and she makes me sleep on the couch. There's your trivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyways, um, so well, let's get back to business. You know, so we had we had Pirates of the Caribbean, we had Tron, we had Mulan. Where what are we had an actual, we had a proper Lion King world this time around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How was there the twenty thousand leagues under the sea world? No, sadly no. But we did have we did have. The Return of the Little Mermaid, but this time as a rhythm no. game. No. Oh, shudder. <laughs> well, uh. Actually, there was there was only one benefit I had to that world, just the one, and it's region specific. Is I got to hear Under the Sea in Japanese. It's one of the most surreal things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> actually, speaking uh. of random Japanese covers, they released Disney released an album of uh, Disney tunes covered by random Japanese voice actors, most of them who have done mecha shows. So you can hear Saji Crossroad, King Arthur himself, do karaoke of Under the Sea. Oh, God. Wow. And I thought, um, I thought was it Masaki Endo who did the Power Rangers theme? Was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, were there Power Rangers in there? No, no. I love Power just, Rangers. Uh, oh, I was going to go play it right now, but I bet you I guys... Don't think- Wait, Disney might own the Power Rangers by now. It's hard to tell. I know. They do own the Power <laughs> they Rangers They do. That's no, why... No, they got them back now, but they did know. at the time, they did have the license. All I know is that if you guys had told me it was Power Rangers, I was going to hang up this call and go play until I got to the Power Rangers part. That would be so freaking cool. <laughs> I love Power Rangers, man. All right, so let's talk about the gameplay. Was it uh. improved over the first one? Yes. Oh God, yes. Tell me how so. It, the the combat system is just a lot. It's smoother. It's more responsive. You can do more with it. It's less XXX. At least you have to press triangle a few times, <laughs> and you have to learn how to block. <laughs> God, do you have to learn how to block in this game? Yes, you do. Because hmm. okay, admittedly, a lot of the like when I originally played it. Um, a lot of the combat in Kalsons were quite easy. Um, my complaining about Scar actually comes from the fact that um, I later imported the Final Mix version, which has another, an even harder difficulty setting. And everything was fine until I got up to Scar at the end of the Lion King world, where he promptly destroyed me about 50 times over. <laughs> Aww, Scar ripped you a new one. How cute. Yeah. Yeah. It happened a lot. I got stuck there for months. Sounds like you didn't follow his advice to be prepared. <laughs> be <I'm>, prepared. <laughs> not prepared. Um. So, um, what uh, what were the what were the summons in this one? Uh, hang on, I got the list here. Uh, Chicken Little, uh, Genie comes back, uh, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, and Peter Stitch. Pat. And, and how much does Stitch destroy when you summon him? Uh, you play ukuleles and things explode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no Elvis music because that's copyrighted by someone else. <laughs> but yeah, that pretty much sums it up. You kind of you kind of play on an ukulele and things just kind of explode. explode. You know, like they do in Kingdom Hearts, they they explode into little bricky things for no reason. Yeah. When you're not using him amusingly, when you summon him and you're not actually actively using him, he'll just he just crawls across your screen looking at you. 
like crawls on the surface of your TV screen. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, um, I guess, new gameplay is the drive gauge, which is like your super move where you dual wield for no apparent reason, uh, except that I it's love the second the game. Gauge. Well, it's yeah, the second it's game, so you have to start dual wielding. Dual wielding was so satisfying. I don't. Well, I can't really explain it. It was just a lot the best, of fun. The best part was it was you, the drive was kind of multifunction. Um, there are uh, what was it four drive forms, and then they upped that to five when Final Mix came out, and they all have a different function, and they're all pretty kick-ass to use. And you know, so the only thing better than one keyblade is two keyblades. So there's so there's uh, so there's dual wielding, and there's a kind of magic focused form. Uh, then there's one where you've got two keyblades, except you're holding one of them telepathically, and then there's the last one where you just have two floating keyblades and everything. You have a kind of instant death radius of about 15 meters. <laughs> you, you just you just kind of combo things to death you, in a kind of blur of sort of light flashes kind of thing. Huh. Um, and yeah, the fifth one, the fifth one they put in in Final Mix was. Uh, uh, limit form, which actually just reverts you to Kingdom Hearts 1, Sora, and gives you all his old abilities back, like the old block move and the dodge roll. Well, that's right, because Kingdom Hearts 1, <laughs> Sora, was wearing a, an outfit that was sort of rep- reminiscent of classic Mickey Mouse, and Kingdom Hearts 2, Sora was like wearing a badass extreme black outfit, wasn't he? Uh, black, uh, black waistcoat over sort of Poofy, the poofy black pants. Yeah, the yeah. parachute <laughs> pants and those enormous shoes of his. Which it is, it has never been explained why Sora has enormous feet, because no, nobody else besides, you know, Mickey Mouse does. I, I don't know. I, I have a Your friend of mine. I, well, I, I have a friend who does have size 17 feet. He has no Mura feet. They do exist. <laughs> <laughs> just because it does exist doesn't mean it justifies Nomura. <laughs> I have this kind. Of, I actually, considering he was one of the people who went out to Japan with me, I kind of have this feeling that I think he bumped into Nomura, and he gave <laughs> the idea to use exceptionally large feet on his characters. I think it's the only possible explanation. The kids <laughs> is incredible. Um, okay. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you guys had a lot more fun with this one than than the the first one. No, I didn't. I didn't. What didn't you like? What? What didn't you like, Sam? Becky, Becky, <laughs> Bo, Becky. <laughs> haven't even started drinking God yet. Damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was distracted. The cat was licking my nose. The two main ladies who work on this site. Um, I did Let not alone like strawberry whenever she shows up. <laughs> what do you guys call? Do you guys call her Becky or Sam too? Maybe. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, I did not like that they basically, other than in Steamboat Willy World, which had some really kind of neat puzzly things to it, um, they basically took out all the exploration from the game. It was extremely linear. Um, and I actually liked running around doing platforming challenges and looking for little bits in the, in the world. There was at least a, a bit of a sense of exploration in the first Kingdom Hearts. And this game just felt like, okay, now I go to the next plot point. Now I go to the next plot point. Now I go to the next, oh, God, little mermaid world. Um, <laughs> I, think a couple, I think a couple of the worlds did still manage to retain the, the, the kind of exploration aspects, if only because I think a couple of them, when they introduced new elements, 
made them at least fun to go around in, thinking of stuff like the Cave of Wonders in uh, Aladdin's World and most of the Lion King one. But There I were a couple of worlds, it. sort of. Although I, didn't, I actually thought the Lion King world wasn't all that interesting, even though I like the Lion King. Hey, was but... there a Pocahontas world? No. Not in this no. one. No. Uh, yeah, we're probably, that, we're, that's probably for the best. We're better off, yeah. <laughs> so really, the the main other other the combat system was a little better, and the gummy ship was actually really fun. But yep. other than that, I thought the game was kind of a step back in gameplay. Okay, fair enough. Oh, so I disagree. <laughs> I hated the platforming in the first one. What did you guys uh, think about the interaction? Were the mini games any better, any worse? Gummy ships, things like that. The uh, the gummy ship segments were a lot better in two. Um, they they kind of I think they did actually address a lot of the complaints that were had with the system in in one, and it didn't feel quite so tacked on, for lack of a better explanation. Mm-hmm. What about was there a Winnie the Pooh mini the game? Oh yeah. <laughs> was it better or worse? <laughs> I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I wouldn't either because I really I tried to stay I away. I only went through it for crafting components. Well, that's funny. I think it was really about the same. I, they, but both of them sort of blur together for me. It was Winnie the Pooh World. You did some mini games. So did you? So you had the ability to craft stuff. Uh, well, yeah. The um, they expanded the crafting system a bit from the first game. And it the uh, Sora's ultimate weapon can only be crafted. Which ah, is surprising! It happens a lot in these games. So you're 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 able to craft weapons, not just parts for the gummy ship or anything like that. Oh yeah, um, all of all three the the ultimate weapons for Goofy, Donald, and Sora, which sort of take after the ultimate weapon concept in Final Fantasy, are all uh, crafted. It's just that Sora's one annoyingly requires um, some very specific crafting materials that are usually only given as uh, rewards for completing very specific events. One of which is fully finishing Winnie the Pooh's world, and the other one is annoyingly finishing the uh, Little Mermaid one. It's the only reason anyone would hit that world. (laughs) You will play our mini-games and you will like them. Well, this this is Square Enix's central design philosophy now. Is you can spend forty hours grinding for levels, or you can spend forty hours uh, doing stupid mini games to get the weapons to avoid grinding. Yay! Oh, hey, didn't they didn't they come up with a new Little Mermaid song for this game or something? Oh no, <laughs> a new mermaid song just for. I don't remember. I think I think they did, and I think it was terrible. I just go. closed my eyes and tried not to think of the pain. <laughs> I said the only, the only the only song I even like from Little Mermaid is Under the Sea because it's stupidly catchy. Or am I am I the only person? Am go I go look up that, that harmony no. song because no. my little niece played that and it's stuck in my head to this day. Harmony, it's from the direct DVD sequel or something or rather. And oh yeah, go listen to that. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. Listen to it a couple times. See if it doesn't get stuck in your head. I babysat in the 90s so I cannot tell you how much I detest the Little Mermaid <laughs> so um alrighty so let's uh one one more question here um 
if if you were going to, it sounds like most of you, with a notable exception, kind of sort of like the second one better than the first one. But if you were going to say to somebody who was convinced that the second one was one to play, do they need to play the first one and or Chains of Memories first? Mike. Uh, if you want to have the slightest idea what's going on in the story, yes. <laughs> But honestly, uh, even if you did play those, you might not. That's well, fair. Was, okay, that's fair. I was kind of going to say that if you really do have, if uh, sort of Kingdom Hearts kind of proves to be uh, insurmountable as far as like differences between the first and the second one goes, like in suggesting that the the uh, the second one is sort of better gameplay wise, uh, the. Um, the Kingdom Hearts, the Kingdom Hearts wiki, which I know is out there somewhere, is maintained by some very, 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 very dedicated fans who have no lives. And chances are, if you spend about an hour on there, you can probably get the gist of the plot from the first and Chain of Memories. The, the two people who listen to RPG Backtrack just quit because <laughs> they have Whoops. to be contributing members to the Kingdom Hearts wiki. <laughs> Oops. Oh, that's funny. Alrighty, so. Uh, thirty-second wrap-up. Do you like it? Do you don't like it? And tell us why, Mister Calendar. Um, I liked it enough to buy it twice, technically. <laughs> yeah, you bought. You said you bought the the, the plus because I bought I bought because I bought the original version when it first went on sale in Japan, and then after I came back, uh, someone managed to successfully talk me into buying the final mix version. And um, and that final mix version on eBay, I think, was pretty expensive. Uh, yeah, I I can't remember how much I paid. It wasn't it wasn't actually that. I didn't pay like what we think eBay prices in quotes. Okay. I think I paid basically new game price for it plus the you know the usual fees with importing, mm-hmm. you know, delivery, customs, that kind of thing. Um, and I say I think I think I got a little, I got quite a lot of enjoyment out of it. Um, I've put a lot of time into it. I think my main play file is like 150 hours somehow. I'm not quite sure how. I think it was doing all Dang. of the side side content wow. stuff in Final Mix. Wow, that's some dedication. Which is quite a bit. I cannot match you at that length of gameplay anymore. It just doesn't happen nowadays. Um, okay. Who else? Miss Becky. Well, I sort of did a thing already. Um, I liked it so much, I rented it from Blockbuster, played it over a course of a week, and took it back um <laughs> she liked it I, so much she used it as a coaster <laughs> so i mean it was okay but i i liked the first one better and i never did actually finish finish it because in the final battle there's like an airship segment that i really didn't like and i was pretty sick of the game at that point so i just watched the uh final um cut on youtube <laughs> <laughs> well that's one way to do it um i was like i could wrestle with this last boss battle that I hate or I could just watch the final part on YouTube. I'm going to do that. Fair enough. Alright, so who else? I'll go. Go ahead. Alright, so this game is ridiculously slow to start and if you're actually interested in a decent Disney crossover game, it's kind of apparent that Square Enix isn't actually interested in making a a Disney crossover game and it becomes... This is where it really starts to emphasize the original characters to the point where you wonder why they maintain a relationship with Disney Interactive at all. <laughs> because Mickey, because Mickey Mouse is a badass in the second game. All right, but what about if you're just Here's a Disney the, fan? Keep watching those direct-to-DVD remakes things. Uh, 
Uh, Wait for John Lasseter. How many sequels to The Lion King are we up to now? Four? I don't know. Uh, hey, one of those was pretty good. No, it wasn't. Half? No, it wasn't. Yes! The one that focused on Timon and Pumbaa. No. No. Yes. Yes. Them. Taking a big, giant, steaming pile on the source material. Exactly. It was hilarious. <sighs> Did I forget anybody who's played this game? Me? All right, go me. <laughs> uh, I like this game a lot more than the first one. I thought the combat was more interesting, and the Disney worlds they picked were a lot more varied. So, yeah, I'd highly recommend giving it a go. Alrighty. Well, while everyone's uh, looking up their copies on eBay and such for around 10 to 15 bucks. We'll take a teeny tiny break and we'll be right back to talk about Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Which is like. No! Isn't that like 129? I think that's 129. Okay, 129. That's not true! That's impossible! Boo Earns, Phil. Boo Earns. Oh boy, oh boy. It seems like the natives are restless tonight. We'll be right back. talk about Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. This was developed by Square Enix and wait, The wait, Hand. That's not, that's not the title. It's Kingdom Hearts Dumb Name. <laughs> Dumb Name. No, this is 358 <laughs> divided by two is like 169, I think. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, 169 days. What, what kind of name is this anyway? Anyway, okay, still don't get me off the track here. All right. Square Enix and Hand. Ooh, that's ominous. They had a hand in this. Published by Square Enix and Disney Interactive Studios. This is uh, released here in North America on December 29, 2009. A single and multiplayer action RPG experience for your Nintendo DS handheld console. This was rated E10. For a 10 out of 10, right? Great game. Awesome game, right? 10, 10 out of 10. Anybody? <laughs> that was that was the sound of tumbleweed, I believe. You know, so, all right. So there's a deep plot to this game, I'm sure, right? Who wants to talk to us about the deep plot? You mean the ice cream eating? Ice, ice cream eating? I swear to hell that's a metaphor for something, but I've never been able to figure it out. 
Hmm. It's a metaphor for what you'd rather do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the title at least re- refers to uh, it. Basically, the game tells Roxas's backstory. You know, because you really wanted to know more about that blonde-haired kid from the opening of Kingdom Hearts 2, right? Uh, I was waiting with bated breath. Uh, <laughs> clearly. And clearly. I mean, I know, people who, I know people who were waiting for it, and evidently the game kind of fulfilled that. It just wasn't interested to those of us more casual fans. And is the tale told so compelling that it immediately sways the doubters? No idea, I haven't played it. <laughs> Why, that, that laughter in the background implies that no, the tale told is not going to sway the doubters. But how could that possibly be? We know Square well, Enix's storytelling team is top-notch. Well, I mean, there's about two hours of story in about a 30-hour game. <laughs> that good, huh? Uh uh, I don't even know where to start. The beginning? It's always a good place. <laughs> Some Somebody else talk about the story. Well, the story somebody, I men- story somebody I mentioned is pretty much all I really know about the game. Mm, so, I can't help you. Uh, it had something to do with Roxas, right? Being discovered in Twilight Tome town by Zenus, the leader of Organization 13, and is recruited for his 13th member. Is his 13th member? Does that ring a bell? Pretty much. <laughs> oh, sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> well, it must be a deep story. It's got like five paragraphs here on Wikipedia. Uh, okay, dumb story. All right, so what else? Uh, let's move on to the gameplay. The gameplay must be awesome to make up for this totally forgettable story, right? Has anyone on the cast actually played it? Yes, I played the whole damn thing. Well, then that means you're talking about a Go apps. <laughs> you just got volunteered. So, so remember all those areas you really loved in Kingdom Hearts 1? Okay. And then... And then enjoyed again in Chain of Memories. Okay. They're back! Oh, yay! So they're recycling the worlds from the first two games that they've already done twice already. Yes. Well, that's awesome. And and now, now, instead of, you know, wandering around those worlds, you know, interacting with characters, Uh you know, from those worlds, nope, that interaction is gone. You know, you might see them far off in the distance or... Have some random interactions with them, but you know, pretty much that's all gone. So you're just wandering around these areas multiple times, completing repetitive missions, defeating Heartless, and there's your game. You mean I I don't get to sing under the sea with Ariel? No, that would be one of the plus sides to this game. <laughs> so we're, we're this close to inventing the device that allows you to stab people over the internet if you keep bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> Under the sea. <laughs> poor unfortunate souls. I like that oh, one. Oh, that's an awesome one. Poor, you know, I played that one in Scarsaw, you know, be prepared in the car all the time. That that'd, be a good, that'd be a good song to describe this game. Really? Be prepared? You mean the, you mean the people who are no. playing it? 
Yes, poor unfortunate souls. souls. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's got the basic, you know, Kingdom Hearts gameplay there. You know, the the way you. Uh, customize Roxas is somewhat interesting. The problem is you've got about five hours, if that, of gameplay repeated over 30 hours or more, depending on if you're the kind of person that has to do every side mission. Well, it's not like the gameplay in Kingdom Hearts 1 was incredibly deep maybe 2 sounded a bit deeper from the way y'all describe it. Is is it, is it at least too deep? Uh, no. You, you see, the, the the good thing about those is maybe the gameplay wasn't that deep, but there uh-huh. were other there were other things. To uh it. oh, to keep you distracted. Yeah, right, because we were mentioning before yeah. how the the varied worlds and the fact that you you did have to approach. You know, each world would be a little bit different, even if it was stupid singing with Ariel or whatever have you. So it kind of broke up some of the monotony gameplay. But here, you really don't have that benefit. It seems yeah. like. Exactly, and in the other games, there were often, you know, obviously the original Kingdom Hearts, you're interacting with these Disney worlds for the first time in in that game, you know, and there were some new ones in 2, and here it's just all the old ones again. So, the you know, there isn't even the joy of wandering around these new Disney worlds they haven't used yet. Yeah, they could have mixed that up a bit better, huh? Yeah, but it is. Um, it, it is that maybe these shortcomings are somewhat made up for the fact that it's portable. No, not really. <laughs> not really. It's portable crap. No. <laughs> um, be, especially when you consider that there is a really good portable Kingdom Hearts that we'll get to. Um, there's there's just no excuse here. It's just it's it's like it's it's kind of the same issue that the first portable entry had um, expounded upon a million times. Well, I don't know here, Mr. Michael. Maybe maybe you're just... Maybe maybe, maybe you're out of touch because, you know, GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's great. I mean, 8 out of 10, according to the their game review grid, means great. You're right, Phil. Games, GameStop's Reviews have never failed to be informative and well scored. Isn't that right? It is. It absolutely is. Uh, I mean, I, I depend on them for all my review scores. Let's, just listen. I, I'm going to with GameStop's <laughs> analysis of Igri Union's port on the PSP, where it got a 5.5 out of a 10 from that site. I guess. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and say there weren't points where I had fun with this game. I mean,. Yeah, you finished it after all. I, I don't think you push yourself to do that on games just for the sake of reviewing them. And this was like before I, I was even Holy cow, it's got these. an eight point seven from users. Where? Uh, well uh, I said fans the fans the fans of this game are pretty dedicated. Holy cow, they have spoken. I, I don't understand because all I ever heard was that this game was awful. Wow. It's, it is awful. I mean the story the story moves at a glacial pace. Like I was kind of interesting to see where the story was going and going through these missions and after most of the missions, all the cutscene I got was the characters eating ice cream. Was wow. what kind of ice cream was it? I, I don't even know. Occasionally they talked while well, eating ice cream, but, but usually they But you they, saw them eating ice cream so often the kind of ice cream matters immensely. 
I don't know. It was blue. I guess it was blueberry ice cream. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, See, that's and, automatically worth knowing because blueberry ice cream is not a common flavor. Not compared to vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Those are the three basics. This is this is big news. Square Enix went out on a limb with a flavor that not many people get as commonly. Uh, uh. Uh, so, uh, in, conclu- in conclusion, Mr. Raps, would you recommend this game to anybody? Maybe diehard fans of Disney or something, or I don't uh. know. No, because if you're a diehard fan of Disney, you can play the other games and get the same Disney worlds and actually interact with those characters. Because uh-huh. in reality, the Disney part of this game is pretty much pointless because it's all about the original characters. The Disney characters really serve no function in this game. <laughs> And, I mean, I can't even remember how the story ended because I was just so frustrated with the game at, at that point. I just, I don't know, I don't know why I needed to finish the game, but I did. Uh, I mean, if... And on the, if, as accomplishments that you have achieved in your life go, where would you rank finishing this game? Very, very low. Would you rank it higher than playing Silver? Yes. Okay. I would rank it higher than playing Silver. <laughs> I realize we're setting the bar very low, but we need to do that. <laughs> I mean, this game could have been decent. Um, the char- the way you customize your characters is somewhat interesting. You've kind of got a grid that you place different abilities on. Um, it just takes way, way, way too long to um, open up the grid enough where it's interesting. Uh, so... You know, it, it's just, I don't know. All right. it, it almost it almost seemed like they were trying to make a Monster Hunter-ish, um, Monster, Monster Hunter-ish uh, DS game, and it just, because there is some kind of multiplayer mission component to it, but if you really, really, really like Kingdom Hearts, you'll probably like this game, but, I mean... You're it sounds like Otter really liked it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you should be a little more open-minded like he is. <laughs> I think if the game had been a lot shorter, I would have liked it a lot more. You know, I could have used maybe 20 less ice cream eating scenes. 20 less ice cream eating scenes. Well, yeah. I will tell you that, um, and this is something you know that's kind of been alluded to a couple of times here, but um, at the time, this came out uh, roughly very close to the time that the other game that we're about to talk about came out. They're both portable, ver- they're both portable Kingdom Hearts games. Um, and I remember asking a number of people what their, who, who were Kingdom Hearts fans, who I knew would rush out and buy them and play them, uh, what they thought. And I, without a, a hesitation, I got told over and over again that, you know, the other game that we're about to talk about was definitely the one to get. So I, I for, for that exact reason that, um, uh, that Becky just said, I got, I skipped this, this game and went straight for the other one. So... I don't think it's just you. And that's kind of confusing, though, when you look and you see the Metacritic ratings are pretty good and you see the user ratings. You know, GameSpot has 2,100 votes. 
<laughs> for an average of like 80, 87%. It makes you think this is an awesome game that you need to rush out and go get. But, you know, everything that I've well, read about this, I mean, when I talk to people who've actually played it, it just it just sounds underwhelming. Well, let me, let me say this, Phil. I don't think every website out there requires people to finish games before they reveal them like we do. Uh-huh. And I think that if more had... I don't, I'm, you know, obviously I don't know if some people uh, reviewed it without finishing it or, or whatnot, but I think that if you didn't play the full 30 hour or so length, you might get a better impression of the game because, you know, you are going through the same areas, but, you know, it's kind of the typical Kingdom Hearts combat, which can be fun. Um, you know, I just think, unlike the other games where there's you know, other diversions to kind of split up the experience. There's only the combat in this, and it'll get old after a while. You know, especially if you're a big Kingdom Hearts fan and you want you want the story. Like, if you if you want go into this game and you want to know the story, uh, you pretty much have to trudge through the whole experience, and it's just way way too long. The story is just so spread out. Okay, well, fair enough. We're going to take a momentary break, and we'll be right back to talking about our last game for the evening. Hold on for just a moment. guys did not fall asleep 
waiting for us to talk about Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Ah, look at that segue. Oh, I am awesome. I am on fire. This is developed and the by... French gives that a... French judge gives that a 7.2. <laughs> what? I got a lower score than the Kingdom Hearts uh, 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 358 over two days? What the heck? You forgot to bribe the French judge. Oh, okay. This is <laughs> and you forgot to bribe the English one as well. This is developed by Square Enix Product Development Division 5, not to be confused with Product Division number 2, um, <laughs> published by Square Enix, released here in North America on September 7th, 2010. This is a single and multiplayer action RPG for your PlayStation Portable device, rated E10, and... Everything that I read to, and everybody that I talked to said that this one was a much, much better game uh, than 352 over 18 days or whatever that uh, that came out <laughs> all of – well, it did come out a good year before it, I guess. I guess I waited a while to buy my games. Good thing I waited too. Good things come to those who wait. Oh, it comes out for your PSP Go? Oh, okay. Sure. It's on your PSP uh, Go. Oh, is it on the you Go? actually – no, it, it, there's no. There's only a UMD version of it. Aww. Yeah, so media can't... distribution system, uh, Universal Media Disc. Yep. Uh, no, no PlayStation Network for you Go people. Yeah, that Go. That's a whole other conversation we'll have to have one day. But uh, anyway, we'll try <laughs> to stay focused here and not get sidetracked. So, um, oh, let's see here. Let's let's talk about the plot as the latest and last well not the last because i'm sure there's more coming out but it's the latest in the kingdom hearts series who wants to talk about the plot behind birth by sleep well, well, maybe the most oh, go ahead go on, becky oh, it may be the most recent game but it's actually the first in history um it's a prequel to kingdom hearts one and ah. so it actually does not star sora nice okay well tell us more about it beck um it starts off with three keyblade um Three students who are in training to be Keyblade Masters, um, Ventus, Terra, and Aqua. Oh, it's like uh, Pokemon. They want to become Pokemon Masters. Keyblade Masters. Sort of, okay. except they don't have to collect anything. They don't have to collect all the keys? They don't have to enslave small animals either. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, and they're about to take their test to be Keyblade Masters, and this guy named Ansem comes to help... Uh, go over the test with them and he is obviously you know kind of evil uh, um, the, the old dude's called Xehanort oh Xehanort right yeah I, Ans Ans Ansem would be the Christopher Lee guy who comes relevant later yeah but I think they're related somehow or something something like that oh There's yeah, oh my stuff. oh my yes yeah <laughs> they like the same guy pretty much oh it gets confusing Really, yeah, that really is confusing. Something like that. Oh, the, no, anyway. what, no, the reason why you remember Zahanort and Ansem is Ansem is voiced by Christopher Lee. Uh, Zahanort, at least in Birth by Seep, is voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Oh, dang. You know, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Learn something <laughs> anyway. new every day. But anyway, so everything kind of goes crazy um, at, during the Keyblade Master test, or right after the Keyblade Master test, I think is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, the three of them get separated, and they try to come back together and figure out what's going on and why there's all this evil all of a sudden unleashed all over the place. And this leads you to going around to a whole bunch of Disney worlds. Mostly new ones this time, right? Yes, mostly new ones, which is nice. 
and they've brought back a little bit more exploration and stuff like that, which I appreciated. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the sort of gimmick in this one is that you play through the game sort of three times with each of the three characters. And I'll admit the story got a little bit old. I made the mistake that they suggested that you play the characters in the order of um, Aqua Ventus Terra, I think. I don't recommend that because I did that. And the problem is Aqua's awesome. Ventus is okay, and Terra is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> so I never quite finished the very end because by the time I, I was about halfway through Terra's story, I was like, ugh. <laughs> oh. Uh, to expand a little on uh, the plot, um, uh, Birth by Sleep kind of brings together a couple of um, sort of foreshadowed elements in the other games that may have only been apparent if you were really paying attention or in Kingdom Hearts 2 case um, basically you would have only noticed the, the couple in um, 358 if you hadn't been bored to tears by the game's story <laughs> and you would have only noticed the couple in Kingdom Hearts 2 if you bought the Final Mix version um, where several scenes are um, cutscenes are added to the game um, which allude to events that end up being expanded on in, in Birth by Sleep, even though, obviously, Kingdom Hearts 2 chronologically happens after Birth by Sleep. You kind of get, you kind of get the resolution before you discover what the, how, how they managed to get there in the first place. Um, which, oh, is pretty much what this, which is pretty <laughs> much what Birth by Sleep does. And technically, uh, while... Birth by Sleep doesn't have Sora. It does have Haley Joel Osmond in. Yeah, Ventus, Ventus looks a fair bit like Sora. And, and has Roxas yeah, and, yeah, and has uh, Haley Joel Osmond doing an evil voice instead. Yeah, <laughs> because that's what we really wanted to hear. That's his evil voice. Apparently. Wait, which which character does he voice? Ventus. But Ventus isn't evil. Yes, he is. Oh no, wait, no, Ventus. Vanitas. Duh. Vanitas. Okay. As if Ventus yeah. is the Ventus. Yeah, is Ventus the is, the Roxas, guy. is the is the Roxas guy, and yeah, because yeah. that's <laughs> part of the, part of the other part of the plot is Ventus looks like Roxas and and looks like Sora because Roxas looks like Sora. And yeah. Yeah. They're all the same guy, sort of. Not. It basically by the time like I think by the time Kingdom Hearts two rolls to its conclusion, I think Sora has about five different characters in his head now or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's not completely unusual. I've heard of worse, but I think the general joke is at this point is that like so many people are basically piggybacking on Sora's soul. He's basically not he's not really him anymore. <laughs> He's a sort of soldier for everybody else. Except for, fortunately for him, most of them are, you know, kind of perky little guys with big feet, so... Yeah. No biggie. No biggie. <laughs> He's basically occupied by copies of himself. <laughs> this is why you don't pay too much attention to the original story behind Kingdom Hearts. Well, to be really yeah. honest, I only pay attention to the original story to Kingdom Hearts because it is cheesy. <laughs> I love the cheese. It's so cheesy. It works. Except it doesn't because it's way too convoluted. Okay, well, it look, works maybe... better when they're when they're not spending the whole plot, you know, eating ice cream. 
Hey, there is yeah. ice cream in Birth by skip, Sleep, but yeah, it's just but a we, mini game. But you can skip over <laughs> five eight and not really miss anything important. Yeah. Sorry, not really get anything important. But no, ultimately, that's one of the I. I really enjoyed Birth by Sleep because it expanded on this cracktacular plot that you really do need about three stiff drinks to understand properly. And I love it. It's cheesy as crap. And well, at least it was. Actually, I didn't find Birth by Sleep to be incredibly convoluted in itself. It's just if you try to figure out how it relates to everything else that it starts going nuts. Uh, I, could, I could attempt to draw a flowchart, but that could take weeks. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we don't want to spend weeks on on the plot, and and we'll refer them back to that fan wiki site for more details if they really want to dive into some of the intricacies of how this so, may, this yeah. ties into other ones. So, did you find the the characters uh, compelling? It sounds like you all were touching a bit more on uh, the the characters outside of the Disney characters for once. Uh, were they memorable? They're competent. I'll give them that. Well, in particular, Aqua. I like Aqua because she's actually a an intelligent Kingdom Hearts main character and also the first sort of starring female in the series, which I appreciated. And yeah, she's smarter than the other two characters put together, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Aqua is basically the, the kind of the magic-using smart one. Um, Terra is kind of the large, stupid one. And, and Ventus is Sora. The, the kid. Uh, he's the kid. Yeah. I mean, Aqua's a, a magic user smart one, but she's also kind of a paladin character. Like, she's the one who passes her Keyblade Master test because she's got it all together. Uh, amusing bit of trivia with regards to the characters, actually, is um, the uh, the character of Master Ericorst is supposed to be some kind is supposed to be the uh, the Square Enix equivalent of um, the wizard Yen Sid from Sorcerer's Apprentice, in that they are both uh, they both have names which are acronyms of the companies that employed them. Um, in that Yen Sid is an acronym of Disney, and um, Ericorst is an acronym for Square. And apparently, a Master Ericus's character design is based off um, Hironobu Sakaguchi. It's kind of modeled after him. <laughs> and Yen Sid is also in this game. Yes, they are both in that game. Because Yen Sid is, uh, is Mickey Mouse's mentor in the Kingdom Hearts universe. Yeah, in this game, Mickey Mouse is not quite as much of a badass because he's still learning to be a Keyblade Master. He's still training. He, he, yeah. he gets major badass points in Kingdom Hearts 2 when he becomes king and does the whole Yoda thing. Is also, also a keyblade master slash ninja. So, alright, well, so how about, uh, could you touch on the different worlds for me real fast that are in this one? Well, it starts off with the Disney princess worlds. Um, you get Cinderella. Uh, oh, just, my manhood just I'm took just, another hit. I'm just, I'm just checking the list, actually. Uh, we've got the Castle of Dreams, which I think is Cinderella's one. Yeah. Uh, Disney World. Uh, sorry, Disney Town, which is the area outside Disney Castle is in the later games. Uh, yeah, Deep Space, which covers Lilo and Stitch, Stitch. I think. Stitch. Yeah, yes. Lilo and Stitch. Uh, the Dwarf Woodlands, which is... Yeah, Snow uh, White. Snow White. Enchanted Dominion, which is uh, thingy. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty uh, and more, more importantly, Maleficent. 
Uh, Who has actually been a villain throughout the whole series, but... Yeah, uh, then there's um, the tower where Yen Sid lives, which, which, uh, which includes special. some interesting cameos by his, um, his uh, brooms carrying water buckets from the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, Neverland. Um, uh, the Olympus Colosseum. Uh, with. Okay. Uh, the Olympus Colosseum, which features a young Hercules alongside a young Zack Fair from Final Fantasy VII. Um, and then there's uh, the 100 Acre Wood again. And, and Zack is pretty much the only Final Fantasy character that really makes it into this game for any amount of time, if I can recall. Uh, I actually mm, no, I think you're right. The, yeah. Was Yuffie in it at all? She might have been in it. I, don't remember. I think she's. I no, I think. No, I'm trying to remember actually. I maybe I think I'm confusing Yuffie. Anyway, there there's there's very very little presence of the square of the Final Fantasy characters in this game. They seem to be just almost completely phasing them out. <laughs> well, I think there's also the fact that chronologically, um, most of them would have just been kids during this era. Yeah. Um, because I you because you also meet uh, on Radiant Garden, which is the the real name of Hollow Bastion before it went to hell, and uh, as alluded to in Kingdom Hearts One, um, you meet the young version version of the future female character Kyrie. Yeah. As well as Axel. Um, yeah, you meet you uh, meet young ver- young members of Organization Thirteen, which actually doesn't really make a lot of sense, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, Axel would be because this series just prides itself on <laughs> sense. <laughs> Wait, do you mean you meet the people who produce the nobodies that become members of Organization Thirteen? Yeah, probably. It's, it's kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you meet you meet yeah. uh, you meet the original version of Axel with the incredibly manly name Leah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's probably why he changed it. Um, <laughs> so, how about the gameplay? Talk about that. Is it deeper than two? It sounds so far. It sounds like fun, but what about the gameplay and the combat? Combat is awesome in this one. It's really the best refinement of all the systems they've tried out so far, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only the only thing that would have improved the combat for me in Birth by Sleep was if they had a few more of the triangle abilities carried over from Kingdom Hearts 2. Just, just at least as some kind of defensive measure to make it some of the encounters a little easier. But other than that, no real complaints. Basically, you get to collect a whole ton of special attacks, and then you string them together in attack libraries, and you can basically design your own combos that you put together of all these different attacks. Um, and depending on which attacks you have strung together, you get various special... Um, Forms. I don't remember what they call them, over-limit attack things which just help you destroy everything and it's it's very um command styles that was it yeah command styles it's it's just a lot of fun it's it's sort of varied in the, the things that you do in combat and the, and it allows you to sort of customize what you want to do with each character and it's just a lot of fun to play hmm anything you want to add to that john i i know i i'm pretty much in agreement um I really enjoyed the uh, the battle system in Birth by Sleep. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fantastic, and uh, 
you know, they got rid of MP, so the abilities in your command deck just have like a recharge rate. Yeah, it's, so just, it's literally it, all cooldown based. Yeah, so it, usability. It makes the combat flow a lot better. And, you know, plus this game looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. For, for a uh, PSP pro- title, definitely. Oh, yeah. Probably the best looking PSP title. Like, they even have an, a mode, uh, different modes where you can turn so, up and down yeah. the, the graphical the, quality. Yeah, increase the yeah. clock speed of the PSP so you can get better, uh, like, better loading times or graphical quality at the expense of battery. Yes, yeah. case, if you it's, it's really best to play the game with the PSP plugged into the wall. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, if, if you have those options on, it will destroy your battery. What options yeah. again? It, look, it, looks so, it looks so good. Well, uh, basically, basically, it's high possible. Quality graphic option. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like you can actually increase the clock speed of the PSP or something. Really? It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think it's the only game that has that option. I've never heard of there that before. Mm-hmm. I'm a proud PSP owner. Yeah, uh, think... that's interesting. Yeah, it's basically like plug it into the wall, put your headphones on, and just pretend like you're playing on a console because that's pretty much what you're doing. <laughs> well, yeah. I, and uh, you know, for those of you who don't have it, I I, I got the uh, you know the PSP um, uh, extended battery dealy, and that's that's huge. I mean, that under normal circumstances, um, I can play games for about gosh, I can't remember the last time I ran out six hours, eight hours, nine hours, something like that. Um, I mean, I take it on long flights with me, and I mean, w- with the normal battery, it, I would run out all the time. With this, I don't ever have it run out on a flight anyways. Um, heck, I've been playing – oh, it is almost dead. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a 2200 mega amp battery or whatever it's called, and yeah, that, that'll that help get you some more uh, – yeah, be able to play that maybe overclock for more than an hour. <laughs> oh, I bet birth by sleep would – find it with drain i'll have to do a birth i have birth by sleep so now i'll have to uh i'll have to give it a shot and run it and see what it comes out to be hmm. okay well sounds really fun exciting uh mini games how about mini games uh gummy ships or anything like that we need to be aware of no gummy ships the only mini games are on the disney world and they are eminently skippable which is good you can play them if you want but you don't have to it's no big deal i didn't like them they weren't very good i didn't think the, there's an ice cream game that's basically a rhythm game. <laughs> that ice cream just keeps coming back. <laughs> no, you, in this one, you help Huey, Dewey, and Louie um, invent new fabulous ice cream flavors or something by shooting ice cream things onto cones to the beat of various songs, and it's dumb. Um. <laughs> it's a much better use of ice cream than uh, that other game. Yeah, especially because you don't you you don't have to participate in it. There's there's exactly. some other some other mini game that I don't even remember, and <laughs> so obviously was fabulous. So fabulous, you blocked it out of your mind. Oh, but the important mini game actually is um, there is a board game that you get to oh, play. Yeah, and it's actually quite fun. Um, oh. yes, fun oh. and board game. Yeah, yes, I've spent. Too much time. Be still the thought. Okay. Yeah, you. there's different board... As you progress through the game, you collect new boards, too. And you get to play a board game against, like, the native characters from the various worlds that you've visited. And you collect um, abilities as you go along. And the nice thing is, even if you lose, you still gain 
new abilities and stuff like that. So, um, but it's it's actually quite fun. Hmm. Well, interesting. Well, I, I'm much more excited now about maybe getting to that game because <laughs> I you should be. I like board. Well, I, I'm one of the few people that like board games. Um, so uh, we we play board games over at my house every month. And, um, so, uh, the, but, you know, some board games on, vi- uh, you know, like I'm not a big fan of Mario party cause I think it's too random, but, uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how this game works out since y'all praise us so much. This one, definitely you can use strategy in it. There's def- there's an element of luck, but there's a fairly large element of strategy too. Hmm. Oh, I can win it most of the time. Oh, fair enough. Alrighty. Uh, let's see here. Any, so it sounds like y'all are pretty sold on it. I don't know if I should ask your final thoughts because I think you pretty much have praised <laughs> this one half to death. It, it can is... get it can get a little repetitive with the three stories, although you do see a different side of the story in each of the worlds that you visit, which is kind of cool, in which you learn that um, Aqua is smart and awesome and Terra is a total dumbass. Um, <laughs> and Ventus is just kind of like, we I made friends with Peter Pan. Um <laughs> But uh, it can get a little bit, especially like don't do Terra last because it'll just drag at that point. All right. Especially because Terra's the one. Terra gets the side of the story where you don't really know for sure what's going on yet. Do that after you played the other two. Like you already do know what happened. So it's like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> All righty. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up for this evening. So it sounds like, yeah, definitely pick up this guy and leave uh, 159 Sleepy Nights or whatever it was called on the DS behind. Just pretend that one doesn't exist. Pretend that one doesn't exist and get yourself this. There there are no Kingdom Hearts games on the DS. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. (laughs) Although the upcoming game... Although it does have an even stupider title than 365 and a half. Um, it, it is rumored to have the same battle system as Birth by Sleep, so hopefully that's a good sign for it. Ooh, excellent. But it's on the 3DS, not the DS. Yes, because there are no Kingdom Hearts games on the original DS. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, let's see. So, were you guys, uh, was that a few, few? Is that one. That's uh, Dream Drop Distance, is that the... Yes, or whatever other 3D yeah. words that Max Storm comes up with whenever he talks about it. Oh, jeez. According to Wikipedia, Kingdom Heart 3D Dream Dop, Drop Distance. I guess that way they can get 3Ds in there. <laughs> Even though it makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense. It's supposed to be coming out uh, sometime here in 2012. Uh, doesn't really got a, a date for that Dynamite just yet. Dynamite Discus Discourse. Yeah, yeah. And for those who care, it's supposed to bridge the story towards Kingdom Hearts 3, which is supposed to come out someday. Well, apparently they're not going to start working on that until Final Fantasy Versus 13 is done. So yeah. don't, hold, then, your uh, don't hold your breath. Although, yeah. I, I, hang on, I thought the reason why everyone was buying um, Kingdom, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D was because it had uh, characters from uh, The World Ends With You in it. That too. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was like I just remember people people's reactions to like, oh look, it's another spin-off three uh, Kingdom Hearts game. I'm gonna skip that. Ah, but Neku Sakuraba's in it. Oh really? This game's an instant buy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mr. Apps, you said yes. there are no Kingdom Hearts games on the DS. What is this recoded thing then? Um, I don't know. 
We weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> just because just it's a port of a cell phone game? It's we talked about helping. worse. It's, You're not helping. It's that which shall not be mentioned. <laughs> I'm not sure if any of us have played it. <laughs> yeah, can we just kind of skip over that one and pretend that just pretend that one didn't happen? Sora goes into a computer and relives, I think, stuff he's already done. The Pretty end. Not. Wow, that's never been done before. Such an original concept. I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we are too. So we're going to take a teeny tiny break and uh, put this puppy to bed with a run by the final lap. The final lap. Mr. Minky. Mm. I understand we might have some comments to discuss. We do have some. And since my Final Fantasy XII review was posted not long before our last episode was posted, it seems that many of the comments which might have been given unto our last podcast were instead used for my review what? and then people just couldn't what? be bothered to say anything else you stole our thunder <laughs> how dare i yeah how dare you with a review <laughs> actually i i refuse to apologize that's fine you don't need to uh I, w- I will add one thing that i learned upon actually completing final fantasy 12 which is that its final sequence is unabashedly similar to the space battle of endor in return of the jedi all you need to do is imagine the Marquis saying, it's a trap, and you've got it. <laughs> Honestly, there, there's an Imperial death weapon shooting and blowing up the Rebellion ships in one shot. How am I not supposed to make this connection? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, because for one thing, Fran never kissed anybody who was her brother, but, you know. Well, Fran's the Chewbacca character. I don't really want to go there. <laughs> Okay, Ash never kissed her brother either. <laughs> she have a brother? Not that we know. Okay, uh, Bosch did not kiss his brother. But that gets into something <laughs> Square would not do. <laughs> <laughs> Although you have probably now spawned some fanfics. Congratulations. I've spawned less creative things. Uh, I will quickly backpedal and not say anything more about this because it's very <laughs> dangerous minefield. <laughs> oh, Mr. Apps, you were going to be here last week, and you weren't. Oh, sad face. So, I hope so, you have your doctor's note. <laughs> uh, I have a yeah, note for my wife because it was her birthday. 
maternal things, huh? Yeah. Or matrimonial things. Yes. I don't know anything about those. I'll accept it. <laughs> anyway, it's really disappointing because I really love Final Fantasy twelve. Ah, well, Mr. Apps. You know, yes. you might have missed the show, but you've not missed out on your opportunity to talk about Final Fantasy twelve. You know okay. why? Because we have a really great way you can do that at our RPG Backtrack Hotline. That's right. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know, I had notes for that hotline too, and I forgot where I stuck them at. Um, oh, and Becky, now that I finally saw uh, the Undying One or whatever it is that Vane turns into, I can tell you, he turned into that because the writers had no idea how to finish it and just came up with whatever they could after, I don't know, five days of working straight on the game with no rest. Isn't that what I said last week? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I, I'm looking at Vane, and all of the pieces of the Imperial Death Weapon are gathering into his body, and he's turning into uh, Vaynoroth, or whatever it's supposed to be. Well, he has wings, you know, and, um... Yeah, there's, there isn't even any dialogue. He just turns into this... Hang on, hang on. Wasn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Final Fantasy XII full of, like, subtle Star Wars references? I can't remember. Oh, they stopped being subtle about 12 <laughs> minutes into that first cutscene. Yeah, they really did. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Mickey, Right around the time when the chief lieutenant of the Emperor fights you, and then upon losing, helps you against the Emperor. Gosh, where did I see that before? I don't know. Does that sound hmm. familiar to anybody? No, can't say that it is. Uh, at least Vane did not spew lightning from his fingertips. That would have been even more blatant. <laughs> oh, jeez. Mr. Mr. Miki's monologue has given me enough opportunity to jog my memory and to, uh, to, to tell you, Mr. Apps, that you too can call yes. the RPG Backtrack Hotline at 801-810-5597 and tell your story about your favorite game, and we will add it to our next recording of the RPG Backtrack. How awesome is that? Your That's memories awesome. your memories will be recorded for all time. Children, generations down the line, will hear your epic tales about just how awesome Final Fantasy Twelve is, which is much more interesting than whatever boring, you know, four D game they'll be playing by then. <laughs> so. Yeah, I could talk about how somehow that game was almost a disaster and somehow turned out really good. There you go. And just in case they didn't get to write it down the first time. 801-810-5597. Call today. And speaking along those lines, um, we did have uh, – most of the comments that we had, at least on the backtrack thread uh, for Final Fantasy XII, there wasn't a whole lot there because Mr. Minky mentioned that they probably spent all the time writing on his thread, which I don't really read his threads. Um, but <laughs> there was a, a comment of uh, from Throne of uh, – Reverius, uh, saying that if you guys kept your podcast to an hour length, I might actually be able to remember a few points you brought up. By the two-hour mark, this stuff just becomes background noise. I'd like to point out to anybody who might share similar sentiments that one of the um, first why we do the, our long podcast that we do, uh, when I first uh, – when we were looking at the show and we had just 
popped out a dozen shows or so. I had talked with Mr. Mickey about the fact that I thought it was a wee long. Uh, we did a poll online on our boards, though, and people said they liked the longer length. I guess a number of you listeners have were listening on long drives or listening to work, and I listen to the podcast at work myself, and I personally enjoy longer casts because uh, I have an eight-hour day, and I probably listen to podcasts four to five hours of the day while I'm doing spreadsheets and the such, and if they're you know just 30 minutes or an hour, I have to download a bunch of little files. Yuck. I just like listening to one long cast about stuff that I like. But I can understand the sentiment. And, you know, the really cool thing about RPG Backtrack is you guys help make the show. So if you call that same number, 801-810-5597, or you write on our boards at um, board.rpgamer.com slash forum, you too can write or call in with your opinion and help shape our future shows, and that would be oh so awesome. And then when we do what you ask us to do, we fully expect you to go to iTunes and give us like an eight-star rating. Yeah, because that's awesome. <laughs> How many stars does iTunes allow you to rate at maximum? Uh, eight, I think. Yeah, I'm thinking eight. Eight sounds like a nice round number for stars. It certainly does. So, I guess I shouldn't mention them. I listen to um, a Pathfinder podcast that usually goes on for about four to six hours. So, I like the longer podcast. It's just, I guess it's what everyone's into. But we do try to break this up into segments. We put those musical selections, so it's a great pausing point. Uh, and those are about you know thirty to forty-five minutes each. So even if you're on a kind of a schedule, you know you can pause it in between those and then listen to the rest of it the next day or something. So I don't know. To each his own. Uh, righty. Uh, let's see. What's our next show about? Going to be about Mr. Mickey? Ah, uh, yes. I believe Mr. Apps and Mr. Wachter are going to join us for this. Neither of whom is going to have entirely positive things to say, but it is a significant series. It is the grand world of Shenmue. What more or less took down Eustace from Vegas forefront of developers and made him uh, the guy who sits at a desk and does nothing now that he is now. Hmm. Okay. Well, where do the sailors hang out? Where? <laughs> well, it's very important, Scott, that you remember. Not just sailors, Chinese sailors. Ah. That's very special. Oh, and who knows if we'll talk about something else while we're at it. Uh, we'll see. When yeah, Mr. Apps, I, I have to tell you right now, you do get to team lift in the second game. Isn't that great? Uh, if by great you mean horrible, yes. Hey, Phil, hmm. you've always wanted to team lift in your games, haven't you? Team who? You know, when you, ha- when you have something heavy enough that two people have to team lift it? Yeah, no. No, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, then. Hmm. Alrighty. So, uh, it's time for the pimp section of our show where... Our host and guest get to pimp whatever they feel like it because, dang it, they've had to talk about what we want for like three hours straight. Now they get to talk about what they want for about two minutes and a half. Let's start with Mr. Oh, let's see here. What about Mr. Apps? Yes. What would you like to pimp tonight? Uh, well, there's always Q&A. Send me some questions or your hate mail. I will gladly accept your hate mail. Um, yes, you got great hate mail from a review Adrian posted three years ago for April uh, Fools. Yes, um, <laughs> that's so. Uh, awesome. I'm guessing someone's um, 
sarcasm wasn't working that day when they <laughs> happened upon that review, but that's okay. I set them straight, I think. Um, I also recently on Twitter randomly decided to see what retro game people might like to see me do a retro review of, and people decided that they'd like me to play the Sega CD version of Lunar, the you Silver Stars. Um, no, I will be playing it through emulation means. Ooh, the E word is. Can you say that? I have to. Do I have to bleep that out on the podcast, Mike? I'm going to have the actual disc. I, I will have the actual okay. disc, the physical disc. It will okay, be in my it. computer, and the emulator will be running the actual disc. We can say all kinds of four-letter words on this show, but emulation—that's a lot of letters. <laughs> But needless, needless to say, I will be getting a retro review well, of that okay. at some point. You need, to, you need to keep count very closely, because as I remember, Alex has exactly four lines in the original Sega CD version. So count closely. <laughs> I will pay attention. Uh... Uh, I, I'm also still trying to finish War in the North, and maybe... If someday I'm blessed you know, enough you know, to you know, my, not my, break my save. No, no, it's very simple. You just have to play yes. it in one go without ever turning off the system. Um, I'm, I'm afraid that it auto-saves and you can't turn the auto-saving off. And even if you play it completely in one go, it could still, you could still end, end up to a point where you can't continue. What you have just described is a title that I will not play. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, because the, the issue isn't so much that you you know it maybe corrupts your save. No, no. Somehow it messes up the game where you hit a checkpoint and then can't proceed, and the game auto saves for you. Sounds like it's an so- auto one out of five to me. <laughs> That's my I answer. Think it's, I don't think it's going to get much higher than that. That's my answer to that small little problem. That's a pretty big minus. Yeah. But yeah, um, hopefully I'll eventually finish that. Oh, yeah, because yeah. that sounds like such a wonderful experience. It's the 7th, it's the 8th. Will it be the 10th try that the game won't freeze me out forever? Well, well, you see, the good thing is I have access to PlayStation Plus, so I can I can back up a save that is working, and then you know once I get to a point where it breaks, re-download it and try again. So hmm. hopefully that will allow me to finish it in a, eventually. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, I'm giving you a thumbs up. You can't see it because we're on Skype with no video, but I'm giving it to you anyway. <laughs> Mr. Minky, is there anything you want to pimp? Well, let's see. Game-wise, I'm still plugging away at Devil Survivor 2. No one will be able to see anything about that until the 28th because Atlas has specified the date reviews can come up, which is fine because it means I don't have to rush things. The 6th Septentrione is an annoying sucker. I'll, I'll give it another try soon. I've been fusing my demons a lot. I've... Uh, I've also been playing Soccer Wars 5, which most of you know as So Long My Love, but I know it as 5 because I did play the other four, and that was an interesting experience, believe you me. 
And um, all, all I have to say right now is that the Little Lip Theater is extremely fortunate to have been constructed in 1928, decades before the Rolling Stones existed, because its sign looks almost identical to the Rolling Stones logo. Can't imagine how that came about. Um, talking about Final Fantasy XII last week, well, by gosh, I just had to watch the whole series again. The first one I watched with Rift Tracks for some reason. Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, and I could talk about those for a very long time, so I don't think I will, because then would fill me again. But I watched a whole bunch of other Rift Tracks, like High School Musical, which is surprisingly effective with Rift Tracks. Look, there's a song called Get Your Head in the Game. They have a lot of fun with that, as you can imagine. I don't know why that was titled so when it aired on Disney Channel, but it is that way. And Zac Efron gets a lot of abuse, as he should. And I won't go through the whole rigmarole of the stuff I've watched, because we did that last time, and as uh, I think everyone observed, it's a fairly lengthy list, and it causes me to exceed my allotted time in double time. So, somebody else. Alrighty. Miss Becky. Is it okay if I plug a non-RPG? <gasps> Get out! <gasps> no way. Sometimes I play those. I'm I, I'm I'm the one who's on here plugging pen and paper games all the time, so I, I guess a non-RPG <laughs> works too. Well, th this game may be of interest to a number of our readers. Um, Hakuoki. Demon of the Fleeting Blossom. It is one of the first Otome games to come out in North America, which is a Japanese genre of usually video, usually visual novels in which you play a female character who has romance options with a number of male characters. Um, although Hakuoki is largely a historical fiction game, and it has a whole lot more blood in it than it has um, kissy scenes. Uh, it's it's about the uh, Edo period in which the Tokugawa shogunate was falling apart and there was a group of um, sort of police samurai kind of guys called the Shinsengumi and um, the story revolves around a young lady who um, accidentally gets herself uh, swept up in their various politics and uh, battles and stuff. Um, and it's actually, it's quite well translated um, and it's it's a fun little game to play. It's, it's basically it is a visual novel and so it's sort of like a choose your own adventure game. Um, and I quite enjoyed it. It's, it's for the PSP, but you could, it's also downloadable. So I think if you get a brand new Vita, you should be able to play it on there as well. Hmm. And it'll be on a bigger screen, a bigger Vita screen. Did anybody, is anybody getting a Vita? Yes. Yes. Whoa. Robo. Um, be, Robo man. What's that? I'll be going out and getting a Vita in about three and a half hours since it's five o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Hmm. <laughs> and what Vita game are you getting with it? Uh, Wipeout, because I happen to be a massive fan of the Wipeout series. Cool. I'm getting a charge charted. What was that? I, I heard some robo-gibberish. Uh, no. I am not on Skype right now. Alrighty <laughs> <laughs> then. <laughs> did, did I knock Scott off the podcast by talking about cute boys? I, I, <laughs> I, I you did. You ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> Shh. I think the uh, the podcast is coming apart at the scenes and stuff. Um, who hasn't gone yet, Mister Wokta? 
Well, um, I feel bad because I've made an appearance on Backtrack without pimping anything on GOG. So I'm just going to point out that if you buy any D&D game, they will give you Temple of Elemental Evil for free. And um, there's a new Marvel RPG out on the pen and paper side. It looks to be pretty darn sweet. Uh, does, does the Temple of Elemental Evil version on GOG also come with the massive fan patch that actually fixes the Temple of Elemental Evil? No, but I think there's a pretty prominent link to it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, and, and it's buy one, get one free. So on top of the fact that you're going to get Temple of Elemental Evil free if you or if you buy two games, one of them is going to be free. And they're all 10 buck games, so uh, you're basically getting them for 5 bucks each. And when you talk about such classics like Planescape Torment and uh, you know uh, Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dales, there, there's some really good deals that you got there if you haven't picked those guys up before. Yep. Anything else? Mr. Walker? I've got an interview with Fred Hicks that's going to get posted-ish. Ah. All righty. Let's see here. Is there anybody? I know I've missed somebody here. If I can only remember um. his name. It was, it was um, Yearless. Yes, Yearless. Go. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, Phil. Um, <laughs> I've actually been really busy this last couple of weeks um, working on my uh, final year dissertation as part of my university course, which is pretty much the reason why you haven't seen anything from me posted on the new site recently. Um, because, yeah, it, it's kind of really consuming my time at the moment. The due date's March 30th, and it kind of needs to be done by then. Uh, for those... For those uh, Listeners who haven't heard me talk about it on the podcast, I'm writing a thesis about um, effectively team building skills and how they are um, sort of present in World of Warcraft specifically. Um, so I had to spend, I, I spent something like three hours sitting down today writing about the history of very specific mechanics that Blizzard have created in World of Warcraft to kind of help facilitate it. Um, it's Probably a lot less exciting than what it sounds like. As um, well, I've, usually I've are. As I was say, my uh, team building experience in World of Warcraft seems to be limited to what kind of noob are you? You picked those talents. You're supposed to pick these talents. You're not doing your rotation right, noob. Kick ban. Yeah. <laughs> that's how. It, that's my team building experience well, in Warcraft. Well, some, some of us. Some of us have met people in WoW that don't suck. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just saying. So, uh, and uh, the only other thing I'm really kind of doing at the moment, aside from also playing World of Warcraft, which I talk about enough on the uh, Saturday podcast anyway, um, is um, in order to generate effectively some work for myself. Uh, myself and three of my friends are looking increasingly likely to be entering the world of um, independent game development, and will be developing for Xbox Live Indie. Ooh. Shortly. Good luck. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully that works out spectacularly. You don't think there would be a? You, you think that has more potential than, let's say, uh, doing an independent PC game on uh, Steam or doing something on uh, Apple with iOS? Um. 
the reason why we're going for um, Xbox Live Indie is um, my uh, primary programmer's greatest familiarity is with the XNA Game Studio tools, which pretty much leads itself to um, Live Indie development, hmm. basically. Fair. Um, unfortunately, we're not making an RPG because those tend to be quite complicated and difficult to make for your first game, as it were. So we're going with something quite a lot simpler. So sounds reasonable. Yeah. So look out for us at some point in the future, I guess. Oh, it might surprise you. There you go. Well, you can, and when you're done, you can pimp it right here on the backtrack. Woohoo! Yep. All righty. So let's see here. I think that's everybody, right? So that just leaves me. Oh, I, th- I thought of one other thing that I should mention. I, I have not quite finished watching Triple X, but once upon a time, I didn't much care for Vin Diesel. And I've since rescinded that for the most part, but it's mostly to do with having seen the action stars that have mostly popped up in the last decade, like uh, Shia LaBeouf. And in comparison to him, Vin Diesel cannot but come out the, se- the superior actor. Shia LaBeouf is considered an action star? He's in these things called Transformers movies, which are widely regarded as action, even though they are incomprehensible. Hmm. Michael Bay does not seem to know how to direct anything other than action movies, and if you don't believe me, go watch Pearl Harbor. Michael (laughs) Bay does not direct action movies. He directs explosions. (laughs) Sometimes he directs them in loving detail. But it's mostly explosions. Yeah, I, I should I should uh, rephrase that to say he fi- he directs explosions from about sixteen different angles and then puts uh, things that are more or less randomly strung together out to pad the thing out to nearly three hours, by which time you are sick and tired of everything that you have ever seen with regard to a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> Hmm. Well, uh, since John didn't want to talk about Warcraft, that's I'll talk about Warcraft. <laughs> I'm still playing Warcraft um, with with uh, one of my friends, and um, that's been kind of cool. We've just been running uh, dungeons and stuff, and yeah, Becky's right. For the most part, people are nice. Uh, every once in a while, we get somebody who gets a hair up their butt um, and uh, stuff. I'm- Personally, my surprise just comes from how few times I've wiped in the Looking for Raid tool. Seriously. Well, you know, yeah. Yeah, I haven't got to the Looking for Raid tool yet. I'm looking forward to that. And that's I think that's what's really got us excited about uh, Warcraft again is the fact that uh, you know, I only have a few friends I, I normally would uh, that I normally have time to run with, and and we're by the virtue of the fact that we really don't have a lot of spare hours in a given week, we're casual players, um, and and for casual players, a lot of that content was really closed off unless you're part of a dedicated raiding guild. You never got to do any of those raids, but now there is a path by using looking for groups and then looking for group heroics and getting up your points in your gear, you can do looking for, you know, qualify for looking for raids and experience that in-game content. You won't be getting as high in-game raid gear. I don't really give a flying flip as long as I can, you know, fight, you know, Deathwing or whatnot. And, uh, and I have generally, I have seen generally my feeling about it. And I was like, I don't care if I did it on easy mode. Yeah. I killed Deathwing and it felt good. I I see a lot of people all upset like, oh my gosh, the Deathwing is just too easy. It's like, well, go play it normal. You you don't have to do the nerf mode. You, you, 
that regular track is still there and you do get the better tier armor for it so god bless you you go ahead and do that because all i've wanted to do is be able to experience that you know there's a big chunk of the game that's always been you know cut off to me but now you know my friend and i we can just grind out some uh points we don't have to be tied to a guild we can do it at 2 a.m in the morning or whenever we can squeeze out some time is the time we can run some random uh dungeons or heroics and get our you know, our points or justice, whatever the hex they're called, and, and eventually get our way into those uh, raids and experience some of that cool stuff ourselves. And, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of positive feedback on it, John, as far as uh, there has been a, there was a lot of concern from a lot of people like, oh, my gosh, well, if I get these noobs that I get in looking for a group, there's no way we're going to be able to make it. But I, I've heard just pretty much the same sentiments echo that um, that for the most part uh, people are being able to get through it and are having a lot, a lot of fun in the process. So that's pretty I, interesting i've been uh, yeah i think out of the runs i've had i think i've averaged uh if, if, if each section has like four bosses in um the average i've seen is usually one wipe per four boss set effectively mm. mm-hmm. when usually someone screws up something important and everyone dies um i mean last time it, the problem was actually down to the fact that the tanks were terrible Half, half the time it's bad DPS, but no, this time it was actually a, a pair of extremely bad tanks. And, you know, hey, you know, the thing is, it, it, it happens. I mean, I've done, I'm right now, because I made an alliance character to run with my friend, uh, I'm having, I had to basically start over. We're, we're finally back up in the 70s, and I'm doing, you know, some of those dungeons all over again. I kind of roll my eyes, but every once in a while, I do a bad, you know, I'm DPS, and I accidentally pull a group of mobs. And that one, I think one of the dungeons, it just made me, like, rub my eyes, but um, we were fighting a bunch of monsters, and, you know, sometimes you hit tab and start casting your spell on the next mob, and I didn't realize by hitting tab I got a mob way off in the distance. It pulled another group, which included a boss, and uh, I ended up dying because I pulled the aggro as the mage. Okay, fine, I deserve to die, but then the, the group managed to beat it all and pull through, but then they left me there. And I'm like, uh, Rez? Anybody? Rez? And they're like, no, if you're dumb enough to pull, da 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 I'm like, you see, that's the attitude that I hate sometimes, and that, that unfortunately, it was an honest mistake, and I tried to explain it was an honest mistake, and they weren't buying it. No, you're a, you're a noob, or you're a dickweed, or, I mean, there was some, you know, obscene stuff they were saying. I was like, man, dude, it was a mistake, fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> you get that once in a while, but for the most part, I have to say, it has been, uh, the looking for groups are, I would say... 80, 85, 90% of the time it's a pleasant experience and we have our good runs and everybody gets along and, and we do okay. So uh, I'm happy to hear that that, that, does, that that continues on when you get into looking for raid. Um, let's see here. Aside from that, uh, I'm taking a break from Ark the Lad because I'm tired of grinding and I get pissy at it and because I think I'm doing really good and I grind up a bunch and then I finally go to the next, you know, the next area that I'm supposed to go to, I have to watch the stupid cutscenes that I can't get, you know, skip past, and then I get into the next fight and I get my butt kicked because the monsters or whatever were just like 10 levels higher than me, even though I took the time to grind, you know, for like an extra hour in the last place I left, knowing that this is a grindy game. Makes me cranky. So I put in Grand Theft Auto and I shoot bunches of people on the street, and it makes me feel better, and, and, and everything's good. So I'm playing Grand Theft Auto and uh let's see um playing different grand theft autos one on my psp one on the the ps2 and we're and 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 the and and the missus and i were playing uh la noir last night and i haven't played that yet and so that boy they are not kidding about those facial expressions in that game it looks so real 
when, once you go to L.A. Noir, everything you look at in any other game just looks so fake. Uh, the faces look so real in that game. Their expression and stuff when they're talking to you, it's scary. Whew, man, have you seen that? Have y'all play that game? Um, I've seen my yeah. housemate play it, and I'm inclined to agree with you. Oh, it's it's free. I mean, there are times where you can still see it's it's kind of plasticky and stuff, but um, there's just times where if you blink twice, you 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 thought you're watching a real person for a second there because they just got all the small intonations and muscles of the face and the neck, just absolutely perfect. Too bad they didn't do anything from the neck down. When they walk around, they still yeah, look pretty stiff to me. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> as soon as they get up out of their chair, it's like, okay, well, I'm back to a normal, a normal PS3 kind. Of, actually, look pretty stiff even for for a PS3 characters uh, once they get up. But uh, you know, it, it's kind of a different change of pace from Rockstar's other games. You know, playing Bully, and and I'm a big you know big fan of Grand Theft Auto and stuff. And uh, it's kind of a change of pace as far as you're just investigating and you're kind of got the notebook out and you got to take notes and you got to. Uh, you gotta while you're investigating things, you gotta pay attention to the clues that are left. And when you're invest uh, interrogating the the criminals or witnesses, uh, you gotta make logical uh, conclusions based on the evidence you've gathered so far and call their bluffs if they're bluffing uh, and the such. And uh, and so that's that's a bit of a different place. It's kind of like uh, one of those um, tell tale tale. Uh, action adventure pointy clicky games mixed in with uh, rock stars action go run around shoot things it's it's interesting so um uh, it's something that's fun to play with the missus because it's got a lot of story to it and i think that's uh that's all i have we're gonna start uh in my i wrote a review up on our forums for jade regent's uh first book um the legacy of brinewall or something along those lines. <laughs> and you, know, uh, you could have kicked that to me, and it could have gone up as a feature on the you site. You are welcome to copy, paste, and do whatever you want. I'm just so – I'm so pressed for time, and I'm really suck at that whole HTML stuff. But you have my full authority and permission to, to do whatever you want with that. And if you want me to edit it, if you think I could use – I can do that. I just – I really hate doing web pages. So um, Yeah, no – that's fine. If well, if you want to finish out the rest of the adventure path, well, I'm going to do same we're, way. You just kick me the text, and I'll do the formatting for you. Yeah, I'm going to do. I'm going to do a review on each book, and then I'm sure at the end I'll have also a conclusion on the whole adventure path, presuming that the group doesn't fall apart, um, which hopefully won't. I'm also doing Carrying Crown, and I'll do reviews on that. Uh, I got a Carrying Crown group on Fridays that uh, started a little bit later than the Jade Regent group, so they're not, they're not quite past the first book yet. Uh, when that's done, I'll also review that book. And I'm actually enjoying, so far, The Carrying Crown, halfway through the first book, is more enjoyable than Jade Regent um, in a number of ways, as far as just the design goes. The both groups are really fun because the groups make it fun, but as far as the design of the module itself, uh, so far, Carrying Crown feels a, a better package. So, anywho, I think that's all I have. Except for some teeny tiny little legalese that we have to get out of the way before we go to bed tonight. And that is RP Gamer is a production. Wait, RP Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer. Your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, and articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So write your questions and comments on our boards. Email me, jcservant at rpgamer.com, and help shape our future shows. Tell me what you think about the link. Do we need a shorter, longer? I don't care. Also, don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. And as always, listen to our vast library of previous podcasts as well as our awesome sister show rpg cast all at rpgamer.com mr minky please it is late i want to go to sleep take us home 
Now, gosh, there's no need to be rude. <laughs> well, in English, that must mean that we have a backtrack, backtrack, a special uh, listener review sent in by our good friend uh, Luctus from our bulletin board. So hold on just one moment, and we get to hear him talk about Lunar. Welcome to the Backtrack Backtrack. I'm Luptus, and this time I'm going to be talking about Backtrack Episode 9, which covered Lunar. Lunar was a traditional JRPG that was originally put out on the Sega CD and later ported to the PlayStation. Um, the thing that I particularly liked about Lunar was the fact that it was a traditional JRPG. At the time, I was playing games like Xenogears and Final Fantasy and Star Ocean, and the, the fact that it was a traditional JRPG is actually what set it apart for me. Um, overall, the characters are really fun and likable, it has a good story. I won't go into too much detail about it, you can just listen to Backtrack Episode 9 for all that kind of stuff. What I wanted to do here was, at the end of the, the backtrack, the panelists all go around and talk about their favorite character from the series, and I figured I'd uh, do my take on that. Uh, my favorite character from Lunar is Lucia from Lunar 2. She uh, is basically a god from the Blue Star. Um, she's been alone all, all of her life, and she's never really known about the humans that the, the goddess had created, and so when she arrives in the game, uh, she, she doesn't know anything about the people and things like that, um, and she kind of develops uh, over the course of the story to uh, learn about this kind of stuff, and so I really enjoyed that character development that, that Lucia goes through over the game. But what's especially interesting is how this translates into gameplay. When Lucia first joins your party in the very beginning of the game, she is incredibly powerful to kind of represent her, her godlike status. Um, she obliterates all these enemies in this dungeon that you just slogged your way through with your low-level characters uh, effortlessly, so that, that's pretty interesting. Um, but then she loses all her powers and she comes back down to a level very similar to the rest of your party, and so she... Um, she no longer is just killing all the enemies and, and the game goes back to being uh, moderately difficult again. Uh, but what's interesting is that since she doesn't really trust your party at the time, she will uh, really only defend herself. She'll cast defensive abilities on herself, counterattack when she gets attacked, and a lot of times she'll just straight run from the battle leaving you to, to fight the enemies by yourself. Um, and then later on in the story she kind of warms up to the rest of the party and she'll start buffing other party members, she'll actually attack and, and assist you in, in combat and then by the end of the game she'll actually have all her spells and things like that back so uh, she'll, she'll won't be as powerful as she was in the very beginning of the game but uh, she'll, she'll still be a, a valuable member of your party unlike in the very beginning when she ran from battle um, so I thought it was really interesting how they, they took that character development of the character and then translated it into the gameplay itself, something I don't see in, in games very often, so uh, I thought that was really really well done in, in that game. Um, I don't really have uh, much else on Lunar, uh, thanks for listening to the Backtrack Backtrack, and uh, maybe I'll do more of these.